0: Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. <laughs> I'm Dave. And I'm John.
1: And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive, critical eye. That's
0: right. And eye. to avoid lazy... Ne- to avoid <laughs> lazy negativity, we decided to make this year' episode a drinking game. This <laughs> so anytime we say anything negative at all about the film, about each other, about your face, about your mom, you're going to hear the sound.
2: Damn, dude. Mm. That's how it means we
0: need to take a drink, and we hope you drink along with us.
2: So, pour yourselves a glass. We're going to bring this mm. first round to a close tonight.
0: Cheers! Cheers. That's right, people. This is the epic conclusion of our summer blockbuster face-off, where we take the highest-grossing summer movie of every year and we well, battle them off against each other. Epic conclusion to the first round.
2: Epic conclusion to the first round. Yeah, we're still going to waste it. Yeah, yeah. Touche. Touche.
0: 2016 and 2019 is where we stopped. You'll you'll listen to these numbers. I'm going to throw some fucking box office numbers at you. And this was peak cinema as far as making money is concerned. Holy crap, some of these movies made a lot of money. Uh, We're doing domestic numbers only, movies that came out May through Labor Day. That's our summer, domestic grosses only, top grossing summer movie of each year up against each other. This year we have 2016's this year. This episode, 2016, Finding Dory was the highest grossing summer movie. Very close to some other very popular, very famous movies from some very successful franchises that were uh, in the mix there. But Finding Dory takes the cake, 2016, and it's gonna be up against Wonder Woman, 2017's highest grossing summer movie. And then in 2018, Incredibles 2, Hell yeah, I remember seeing that in theaters. I saw all these in theaters. No, I didn't. Never mind. Jesus Incredibles Christ. 2, 2018, against The Lion King in 2019. That's right. That's the live-action remake.
2: It fucking the was live a live-action action.
0: Like, Okay. <laughs> the live-ish, action-ish yeah, live that remake. The live And that was the
2: tree at the beginning.
0: Dave. Was the tree just... alive? Where's your stream deck? Where- there it is. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we both went for
0: it and we got cancelled out thanks to Dave as always for uh, editing producing all these episodes and what else do usually say about I forget what else we say it's been really fun we got a lot of good matchups so go back through our feed and listen to some really Mm -hmm. good competitions that we've had hey speaking of making a shit ton of money yeah
2: fucking Barbie dude when when apparently I was reading this week when Margot Robbie pitched it to Warner Brothers um, or was talking to Warner Brothers she's like make this movie it'll make a billion dollars so apparently Margot just can call it anytime. Don't argue with Margo. Don't argue with Margo. Margot costs a billion this weekend. They say it's doing they say so well.
1: Yeah. A billion. I was uh, I was hanging out with some people the other night and karaoke eventually started happening. And As it does. some some uh, some younger guys, probably in their like early twenties, got up and sung I'm just Ken. Like wow. it's already, yeah, that's, that's happening. The thing. That's, like that's everyone the, knew every fucking word. It was. It's in the it's it in Billboard. So it's in the Billboard the top 100. Dude,
2: it's it's this, in the top this thing, 100.
1: This thing touched a, a nerve for sure. People are are really feeling it. It is it is crazy. Mattel, you did it. <laughs> You did yeah. it, Mattel. I don't ever Mattel fucking do it again.
0: So and then immediately <laughs> they were like, well, these are some other Mattel properties that could make some money. Immediately, immediately. they started. Immediately. <laughs> was it, they, was it
2: paying like 290,000 for Uno, chief? Your job was basically what? just to sit there and play Uno because that's one of the movies they're pitching.
1: Uh, oh, no.
2: Yeah, right? They've gone nuts. are searching for Uno, Bobby Fischer,
1: but with Uno. Like, yeah. yeah. Like a really Uno. grounded, Uh-oh, serious oh they're going to get it. that. Yeah
0: they're going to get that that wild card the draw for a wild oh my god yeah well, that's, that's the it's about the of opioid film.
1: crisis oh man john what was the uh, what song did you
2: choose a karaoke
1: uh champagne supernova oasis
2: good call mm. they Where might be you? they might be appearing together oh, again we i heard high. around the tracks no oh yeah
1: they're going those brothers going to beat the shit out of each other on stage <laughs> you know, again? They're, they're talking and they might they might be i think it was glastonbury they might be doing you can still take a punch in your late fifties. Get it, boys. Yeah. You
0: know what? Um, Trust me. You know what helps uh, your family feuds? <laughs> uh, millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, we get sure. together millions of dollars to tour as long as we don't. Unless, to keep unless you're queen
2: because you break up arguing over whose fucking recording studio you're gonna use. Mm-hmm.
1: Glastonbury would be a great way for them to come back, though. Wasn't there mm-hmm. one of their very first? Well, the Spice um, skills are
2: reforming for it, and there's a rumor that Oasis might turn up as well lordy that's some uh, non-movie shit going on jay-z right
1: there. i remember i'll tie it back in i swear i remember jay-z's i think his first appearance there in the early 90s it was the same year the oasis was there and he came out and he wasn't as popular over there so he opened up his show with the lyrics to wonderwall and then he turned that into one of his first big number one singles
2: everybody was like oh
1: my god but Jesus. you know he kind of took so advantage wonder of it's one of
2: they didn't clock him with a guitar it's pretty cool. <laughs> could
1: you, could you, they're like, they all, they're always on, on stage, stage <laughs> ready to fight. <laughs> Fucking Stop that. Matter who's on stage.
0: <laughs> it's that family guy thing. They're like, this goes out to all the women. And Peter just runs from the back, like ready to attack the screen. Because he's <laughs> jealous. Um, all right, people, we're going to be talking about finding Dory, Wonder Woman, Incredibles 2, and the Lion King. At the end of the episode, we'll let you know what we've been watching in our segment, what you've been watching. Uh, maybe a little news in a second. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. We already talked about Barbie. That's cool. Hmm. Why don't we shout our sponsors out? John, we have two again. We have
1: two. He's back, Mr. Carlos Barozzo, the beer master. That is cbarozzo.beer. That's the handle if you feel like giving that man a follow for for all his beer shenanigans, his beer-making antics, good information on the brewing process. He's a real fanatic. Go check him out. Really great on Instagram. Uh, And also, we have some music on this episode, and every single episode. And it is always provided by the artist Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. You can find his music available for free well, not super free. Actually, you need to subscribe yeah. to the yes. usual music platforms, and then you will be able to download it. It is great. It's getting large following. Get in there, enjoy yourself.
2: Don't I you mean. upload any of it? Yeah, of course. You. I'll I'll it, so come get you. do get you. Permission
0: shit's gonna get flagged. <laughs> uh, any any other news? Any other details you want to share before we get into this shit going on?
1: Not really news, news, but just since we might be one of the only sources of information for some people who listen to this. Um, the AMPTP sat down yesterday with the Writers Guild uh, back in negotiations, so I don't think anything was settled yet, but it is nice to know that at least one of these groups are talking
2: again. Just come back into the house and stand on the X. Yeah. Let's move into round one. Let's play
0: some Dasein for 10 seconds and pretend like we took a break, and then we are going to hit you with our first round our our first matchup for the day, which is Finding Dory, 2016's highest film, against Wonder Woman, 2017's highest film. Coming at you, love of cinema, right now. Let's fucking go.
1: As usual, uh, I'm gonna give you the top 10 domestic from the numbers, and then Jeff will give us some context for the rest of the year. Fuck yeah. Uh, but this is twenty sixteen, so Finding Dory is number one, uh, very cleanly number one for the entire year that I have according to the numbers domestic. Um, number two, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which I still say is out of that whole new generation of films. I think that's I think that's the, the best one for me in my book. I, I love that. I tend to
2: agree with that. I rewatched it recently. Yeah, I think I agree. it's
1: great. And I like I like Andor. Can't wait for the sequel. Um What's his name? Who, who made that?
0: <laughs> Gilroy?
1: Who's the, who's Tony the writer? Tony Gilroy.
0: Tony. Tony.
1: Tony also did uh, Tony. Michael Clayton and all the Bourne movies. Anyway, yeah. uh, number three, Captain America Civil War, which I know a lot of people in the Marvel fandom universe are huge fans of Winter Soldier and Civil War for how they were able to kind of Start to use individual characters' movies as a way to bring in the stories of Marvel characters and the Avengers around them. So they these are two good examples, and Civil War being a really obvious example of how the stakes were raised for the Avengers outside of an Avengers movie by creating conflict with these single stories. So yeah, I thought my, wife, was my cool.
2: wife doesn't was like also, that one. Um, the end of it because like she she's like I don't want my superheroes with flaws. I got enough people around me with flaws.
0: I took that, that <laughs> uh, personally, but, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: They're humans. Uh, I this is all we got to call it out too. That's the introduction to to Senor Tom Holland as Spider Man. I think everybody yes. was super excited about that. Everybody that was, cool was super excited. I was super excited about that. Oh yeah, number four, Secret Life of Pets. I never I saw that, that. You guys, I, I think that's a I DreamWorks. Did. Yeah, I don't think it's Pixar. Yeah, Universal released it, so maybe it's an independent company. I'm not sure. I number five, think, yeah. The Jungle Book. Um, Favreau. Making yeah. that one. It's one of these live-action Disney's was, we're going to be talking re-
2: about. That was literally the rehearsal for The Lion King, which we're talking yeah, about Yeah, later. And There's yeah. some
1: cool... I, I haven't seen all the Jungle Book it as It Best all, Visual Effects. Some of it. Yeah, I mean, really, we're going to talk all about those new technologies in a little bit, so we'll move on. Number six, Dave's, Dave's favorite movie of this year, for sure. Maybe one of his favorite movies of all time at this point. The first... Deadpool, Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds uh, mm-hmm. attacking it, coming out of nowhere, really lobbying to get that character into the verse, and then it was an R-rated comedy. It broke some some ground that way, and obviously it laid way for I a sequel still, that I still think successful. he was the one who
2: leaked that clip. He'll deny it it's till his dying dude. day, but I'm I'm pretty sure he was the one who leaked that clip. Very possible, but hilarious, really fun. Got fun the movie, sequences mate. in that movie. <laughs> uh,
1: number seven, Zootopia again. I didn't see it, you guys. I feel oh, like maybe I will on that It is I've worth it, it for
2: the sloth DMV scene. Yeah,
1: for sure. Oh, I have seen it. That is yeah. the only. I remember yeah. that scene. Okay, it's okay, that's good. Um, number eight: Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Ellipses. Whatever. What's the subtitle there? Justice. of... Justice. justice there you go <laughs> i'm gonna go out on a limb here and i think you got, i think we were all still living together when i did this there is a director's cut of that yeah of course of mm-hmm. course there's a director snyder cut of this thing and it is way better than yeah, it's way better it's so much longer it's it's shamefully longer than when, the. When batman, cuts, smacks it's people way up,
2: batman smacks people up the wall and there's a blood stain it's like he's yeah. you can tell he's Bloodier. killing and hurting people it's like
1: yeah the story makes so much more sense it does. uh number nine uh, another one that I'm going to assume very confidently, since we've talked about at least one of these movies on this podcast, and I'm friends with this guy, Dave, what do you think of Suicide Squad when it first came out? Was it like, fuck yeah for you?
2: It was it's about together. 90% fuck yeah. Okay. Okay. Number um, two, you it,
1: liked a lot more because it was in the hands
2: of... Well, no, the, uh, the second one I liked a lot more because it didn't feel as contained as the first one. Cause, um, he's they famously said that the movie he submitted is not the movie that got released. So oh, he directed was, both of them. No, um, was, this was David Ayer. Um, okay,
1: yeah, okay.
2: Doing yeah. that, um, and uh, yeah, he submitted that film, and it was cut to pieces. Had it, the soundtrack changed around? They del- deleted half the Joker and Harley footage. A different character dies at the end, apparently, in the Ayer cut. And there's a there's a movement similar to the Snyder thing to try and get the Ayer cut of that released um but oh, it'll, it'll, it'll never happen that's okay yeah i mean yeah, they I'm missed sorry. the boat <laughs> they missed the boat on it let it die they moved the soundtrack have a, we around. have a good one yeah no in his version that's there, was, the there was not a there was not a single pop song in his version
1: oh wow, i would have liked to see that because I, I do think that's quite a crutch for those movies even though it's yeah. a fucking great soundtrack but uh and number 10 and i'll shut up uh dr strange the first one the Only one that's worth talking about, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I did, I did enjoy that one,
3: sure. Yeah, I'll drink for that. But I, I, I think everyone I on planet Earth no, agrees can. with me,
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, even good. uh, even Sam Raimi probably agrees with us after that that battle. Um, oh, man. but yeah, that's the 10. All Jeff, right. what is so what happened with the do- rest of the year? So,
0: those were domestic numbers internationally. We're getting a, a lot of this going on. <laughs> Four movies had a, grossed a billion dollars. That would be goddamn. Four movies that came out this year and some of this money was obviously made the next year 2017 but Captain America Civil War made 1.1 1. <laughs> 1. Rogue 1 Finding Dory and Zootopia all crossed the billion dollar mark. Jungle Book was just shy at 950 million. Also, Fantastic Beasts came out and made a lot of money internationally, not so much here in America. It was not in our top 10. Sing and Moana were in there. So again, these animated movies Mm. making a ton of money. And X-Men Apocalypse were in there. So 85 movies made $100 million worldwide. And that (laughs) included movies like How to Be Single, Dirty Grandpa, (laughs) 10 Cloverfield Lane. 20 movies made $400 million. So Independence Day Resurgence was not one of them by the way nor was <laughs> no nor was star trek beyond or the great wall those movies kind of underperformed at 300 and something million dollars but wow. anyway sucked.
1: wow no disney. beyond doesn't suck
0: disney so anyway i'm just this is a year of like records so i'm just gonna not give just you some there, fucking too. records and then some awards so Disney's the first studio to have three films gross 400 million dollars domestically in a single year those would be Rogue One, Finding Dory, and Captain America Civil War. And all five of the top five slots, which again, billion, 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 950. The top five slots are all Disney properties. Really funny that we talked about Bob Iger at the top of this. Thing. Uh, Deadpool became the second highest grossing R-rated comedy <laughs> of all time, or R-rated movie behind of all time, behind, what was it? What was number one? The highest R-rated movie domestically. Deadpool. No, but, but uh, before, Deadpool was number two. What was it? Uh... I we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The Passion of the Christ. Um, oh <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> it, it became the highest grossing R-rated movie uh, worldwide. I said Jesus
1: organically, rate. by the way. Yeah. I, That's right. I wasn't Jesus. referring to the lead character yeah.
3: of that film.
0: Uh, Zootopia became the highest grossing original animated film of all time, surpassing Finding Nemo. I thought Frozen was higher than that, so I don't know what the fuck's going on with this thing. Wow. Um, And along with Finding Dory, it's the first time that two animated movies uh, had a billion dollars in the same year. Secret Life of Pets grew up $100 million domestically in its opening weekend, which was the highest opening for an original film of all time. $104 million for the Secret Life of Pets. All the other $100 million, but I guess Barbie fucking, this other shit that probably has been that since then. Sausage Party became the highest grossing R-rated animated film of all time.
2: And was accidentally shown to children at least one theater.
0: Whoops, Warcraft (laughs) became the highest grossing video game (laughs) adaptation of all time. The animated, the anime film Your Name became the highest grossing anime film of all time. And Dongal became the highest grossing Indian film of all time. And oh, the, the Mermaid awesome. became the highest grossing China film in China of all time. So literally, like this is the year 2016 when the money just fucking exploded and literally every it's mm. records all over the place. Yada yada yada. Let's get to the awards and then I'll punt back to you guys. I, I'm not doing the mov- all the million movies. There's a million. Yeah, it, thank it was God, like five years ago.
2: Yeah, we got twenty minutes left.
0: I don't even see your timer. That wasn't my fault this time. This is famously the La La Land versus Moonlight Year. So Damien Chazelle does a clean sweep for directing and I think City of Stars did for some fucking reason. I cannot believe that is like the obvious Oscar best song, but all right, I guess it's really touching. Justin Hurwitz's score was a clean sweep as well. (laughs) I agree
1: with you, but I gotta gotta hit you just because of how you
0: said it. Barry Jenkins did get an Oscar for Moonlight. I don't think he got Best Picture, but he did get it as a co-script writer for um, Moonlight. So even though Damien Chazelle got, yeah. So spread the wealth. Weird, this is a really fun little aside. Moonlight was based on a play that was never produced so most of this most of the cat most of the awards put the moonlight screenplay in original screenplay since the category was it can't be based off of something that was published or produced. The play wasn't. but the Oscars mm. decided that it was original material. That's all that it was is original material. So therefore it went into the adapted screenplay category, which it won. An original screenplay would go on to Manchester by the Sea for Kenny Lonergan. so it actually mm. probably worked out for the best for um, for um, Barry Jenkins. The acting awards went to Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea. Mahershala Ali won his first of two for Moonlight. Let's not forget, Mahershala Ali has two Oscars. I feel like that's a name that doesn't get mentioned very much considering it's more Oscars than Al Pacino. Emma Stone wins for La La Land somehow, beating Isabelle Huppert and <laughs> Natalie Portman Fuck for Jackie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's great, but that was a surprise for people. And Viola yeah, yeah, Davis no, no, did a you. clean sweep for Fences in the supporting category, which she probably would have won in the leading category, but oh well, and then Another big story this year, this is O.J. Made in America, which is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. But it's funny because it actually was an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary that they just decided to make seven hours long. And so what they did is they aired it in Los Angeles and New York for theaters that were largely empty because everybody could watch them on ESPN all the time. And so they played to empty theaters and won an Oscar. So ESPN won an Oscar for this, even though it was 99.9% of the people who saw it saw it on television. And the other ones I want to shout out are Arrival, and Hacksaw Ridge.
1: Arrival. Right. Yeah, Arrival is, is Any, any others
0: want to shout out before we get into fighting Dory?
1: Nope. Jeff, do you have to remember where we were when we saw Fantastic Beasts? We Didn't we go in into New Times York.
0: Square? We, we were, were not in, New York. in New York. Me and you, why Boston. were we outside Oh my god, we saw that in, we saw we went to oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we were funny. so hungover. <laughs> we the heck oh zone? my god, those tacos I ate were so spicy at that truck.
1: Okay, I think I'll call out uh, Midnight Special. Oh, Do funny. you guys remember that one?
0: Yep. Yeah, Michael Shannon. That was cool. Yeah.
1: I wanted to give that one a shout out. Swiss Army Man, the I Daniels. The end of that one day.
2: I got really busy. Something came yeah, up. Yeah, I never should, saw the end of it. Yeah. You should
1: the end of that. One no, they look great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think. All right, I'll chill on that for now. Loving, uh,
0: loving really loving's good, good. Ruth Nega, shout yeah. out.
1: Cool, yeah, let's do it. All right,
0: <coughs> Finding hmm. Dory. This is, of course, Andrew Stanton, who uh, won Oscars for Finding Nemo. He's the co-writer, co-director of Finding Dory and Finding Nemo. And he also worked on fucking A Bug's Life. And I believe he also won for WALL-E. So he's obviously been in the Pixar family for a while. So he co-directed he co- this, Andrew Stanton co-directed this with Angus McLean. And the writers are Andrew Stanton and Victoria Strauss, yada, yada, yada. I think we get the picture. This is all Dory-centric. This movie's fucking great. Made a billion dollars. What do you guys want to say about it? You guys rewatch it? I I actually had never seen it before, like two days ago.
2: Wow. I didn't rewatch it. I I watched it when it came out and I never watched it again. It just did not strike a note with me at all. It was like the same jokes recycled and they padded out a movie around a gag they set up in the first one. That's Are you, you heartless?
1: And in your prep you, for do, this do episode as a podcast host, you chose not to watch it again.
0: <laughs> good, I, good. So you, I'm glad. yeah. So you despised this movie four years ago. We also had an extra week this this week this year. We took last week off basically, and you still didn't rewatch this hour and a half. And you movie? just didn't rewatch it. I didn't it. like it. <laughs>
1: Come on, dude. I
0: didn't like it at all.
1: Oh man, Dave, Outlier. All right. I know what I'm voting for at the end of this one. Just, I fucking know
0: exactly what I'm voting for. Oh my god, I can't believe this is
1: up against Wonder Woman. (laughs) Fuck. Okay. um, All right. Well, let me let me call this out because I think this is going to give us a mode of conversation because I want to hear what you're talking about, Dave. I want to hear it applied to Dory, and it'll open up. hmm. There's this concept known as the um, the Pixar arc. And it really got established, and I'm not, it, I don't think it came out of Pixar, even though they clearly were using it and applying it, but mm. critics started talking about it when their sequels started becoming so successful, critically and commercially. They have found a way, and you can look at it, and it, it really is true. And it is, it's an example of how they've had so much success with very raising-the-bar criticism on sequels. Remember, old-school Disney animation, their sequels would go straight to video. They yeah. usually didn't think of them as a really ascended next step in their characters'
0: lives. Yeah, like lineage. Yeah, this was is a bright. whole side department. Yeah,
2: yeah. Their job was to make those. Yes,
1: and the actor- exactly. And the actors are so, like, you
0: got to pay me more. And they said, fuck it, we'll recast you. Nobody gives yeah. a shit. <laughs> so the theory behind this
1: arc is that in a sequel, you create the same story arc for your characters in the original, you just replace the characters so your protagonist or your supporting will experience the same thing they experienced in the first one but with somebody new this time so with finding dory just to give you that example dave i don't know if you remember that character but hank the octopus who she mm-hmm. meets kind of ah a so, third of the good.
0: Way, ed he's, so
1: good ed o'neill he's basically marlon from the first one and we can go down the line you can talk about this the toy story two three all of these things and I, you know, I think it's actually, it works. I think it's one reason why we don't ever have conversations about how Pixar sequels or whatever departed so far away from what we're used to. like It definitely keeps you in that same feeling of the movie. They feel the same. Um, And for me, I thought this was, I I guess I'll just comfortably disagree with you. I, I think this is a really successful one. Yeah, I love Finding Nemo, so maybe I'm Maybe I love the sweet spot, the world. Mm. I like watching them go through those kinds of journeys again. I like how they displace Marlon. I love the shift. Obviously, yeah, it's called Finding Dory. I know that sounds obvious, but it's still striking to me when I watch this movie that Marlon and Nemo are pushed so far to the side. They're a part of her journey, but they're literally, they're physically away from her for a good part of it, mm. and they're together the whole time. So it makes you just see the movie differently. It's so cleanly, no longer about nemo being gone yeah. and marlin having to overcome something so
2: to, to just honest, talking about know, the pixar arc what does happened? it bother you it it i mean it does and it doesn't like it it's the same as with the marvel formula like the the movies yeah. are formulaic as well every time disney buys a property they settle it into a formula and uh it's i mean it I, it didn't bother me that's what they did although it really it really didn't give me anything new like to, to play with. And don't get me wrong. I've seen Finding Nemo like 15,000 times. Yeah. And I love it. It's a fantastic film. Dory just, I went in, I think with high expectations and it didn't get to where I was expecting it. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I feel like, I just feel like everything about it, it works unless you have the issue that, that I was talking about. If you don't like that, it's kind of the same in, in, in some of the arcs, then Matt, yeah, you'll agree mm. with me, but man, I just feel like the it's once again it's it's airtight it's super clean so we can, we can always say that for pixar you know they're aiming at kids and families and it, they i think they they've pulled that off but this time what i was thinking about more than anything else was how outstanding their moment-to-moment performances are and the jokes like oh that like how much commentary every side little character, every tiny little world, there's a lot of new environments because she goes to the Marine Center in Mora Bay mm. here in California, about three and a half hours north of LA. And she goes into the, you know, like an aquarium style. So there's all these environments and everyone she encounters, the jokes are great. The comedy's there and it, all of it somehow either progresses the environment, gives you character development in the environment or moves the story forward. Like, the efficiency of it was just so outstanding. And I don't know, maybe I'm a a sucker, but I feel like my heartstrings get pulled every time time I watch these movies. And I I really (laughs) felt it by the end of this. Every time she would have a reunion with somebody along the way, it got me. I thought the justification of her having emotional sense memory to the actual places works. It's not just her out of the ether remembering. They're all cued from something physical and sensual. And then the final reunion with her with her parents, and then after the reunion with her parents, bringing it back into the new- Immediately be like, hey, Baba,
0: Dad, so good to new... finally see you again. Gotta but go. Then, but,
1: but then finding the new family. She lost her new family. That works for me. And I when really, she really, says really so love that, the structure. But they're my family. Gosh, John. I did watch this one today, and I mean, y'all, I teared up like twice.
0: Said it twice, really oh my God! Okay, so I watched this with Angela, who loved this movie and was so excited <laughs> to watch with me. Even before I knew that it was going to be on our list, I had no idea. she was like, she, she found out that I I said I was watching Finding Nemo, and she's like, you ever see Finding Dory?" Said no. She sent me a thing that was Finding Gerald. Gerald's a little sea lion that they don't let up on the uh, rock. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> you know that I mean? character is so pale. funny, dude. So I, I wanted more Gerald. I wish he was like, <laughs> I wish Gerald was was Ed in the Lion King. Did you stay till the very end more. credits? There's oh, an end credit scene. Yeah, of course, of course, we stayed till the end credit scene, dude. I fucking loved this movie. Dave, you heartless prick, man. I (laughs) I don't get it, dude. dude. I don't get it. I from the very get-go with little Dory with the shells, and yeah, they're they're plotting it out a little bit of what's gonna come later, and that's great. It's totally fine. And then they're doing I forget exactly if it's like hide and seek, they're doing some kind of like thing with her. It's, it's, of course, the voices is Eugene Levy and Diane Keaton as her, as her parents. And then she goes and she's doing the thing and then she sees them and goes, uh-oh, did I forget again? And they went, no, 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 no. And she said, I did. What if I forget, what if I forget you? Will you ever forget me? And then it goes into the Finding Dory scroll. I was like, Get the Cheers. fuck out of here! So I know it's. I have yeah, fucking yeah, hair, my hair standing up on my arms. I know it's. <laughs> I know it's similar to Finding Nemo. Obviously, there's these kind of escape, and they have to go find things, and they get caught and trapped, and they have to escape again, and yada yada yada. But that's the crux of the movie. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here, Dave. Uh, David. Oh Damn. my God! When she said that, and then and then the little Dory starts seeing all the things, and they they do it quickly, they expedite so it. But when cute. she's when she says to like the fish, "I'm sorry, I suffer from short-term memory loss." I mean, you're just sitting there like, how are you not just completely hooked by this story? And then the majority of it takes place in this little aquarium. Ironically, the thought I had was like, oh, they're getting crazier and zanier with this movie. You know, I I mean, the fish jump out of the tank and like fucking, (laughs) they really they really risk death a lot. And I know they do in the first one, but at least they're in the ocean. But in this case, they leave the, wall. they're hopping along the pavement and stuff doing these things. Talking to sea lions that probably should be eating them. I mean, it is, I, I I think everything about it is perfect, but ultimately, this idea of family, you know, I know that's what the first Finding Nemo sort of was about, but like, oh, God.
1: All the way into all the, uh, Jeff and Dave, all the way to the very end, the end credits. Dave, do you remember the end credits? I wouldn't be surprised if you don't remember. I didn't remember it. But this theme of family, um, at the very end, you see Gil and the aquarium gang from Nemo, they finally, in their bags, wash up somehow on the yeah, so coast no. of uh, california and they're like we made it we're never gonna you know there's nothing that'll get us now and it is as a family they get swooped up and taken in for rehabilitation into the aquarium uh and so even that theme of family to the very end is just like the first
2: one and
0: they somehow die oh come on come they on they somehow they somehow didn't on. die in their bags from not being able to eat <laughs> for uh how many thousands of miles um Oh uh, shit, I was gonna say? Whole, that but,
1: beautiful that wonderful world when the truck is flying. That is pure cinema, dude. Oh, I was, so just good. The, Oh, just the God. scope of it. I was just like, God, this is this and is yeah, just course beautiful. A, I'm just course overwhelmed absurd, by the artistry. Yeah. I mean,
2: are you are you guys yeah. doing a bit? You're getting way too excited over this film.
0: It's so, Dave, it's Dave, so good. It made dude, a billion <laughs> dollars. It so is a 94% <laughs> fuck
2: you, Dave. A, he made a billion dollars because everyone went and saw it because the fucking first one.
0: No, that's because of the Lots of Lion King that we'll talk about later. This fucking movie, oh uh, it's so good. Wait, um, what was I gonna say? Shit, fuck, Dave, goddamn. Oh, th- I think the cool thing about the octopus, who's the most interesting character in this film, is that Al yes, Bundy. it's like, it's, it's fucking Al Bundy. And actually at first I was like, yeah, hey, he's phoning it in, but then he, he, he got me at first. But he's actually more like Gollum, where she's scared of, she should be scared of him. I'm scared of him. I'm like, he, what the fuck? Like something about this isn't right, but you, she needs him. Obviously, Mm -hmm. this guy can, so it's like, fuck, we gotta work with this guy even though we shouldn't trust him. And that tension was enough, like, because the villains in this movie are, what, people? Like, I don't even really know what the villains of this movie were, but like him being an untrustworthy companion, that is like the only answer, but also could be a huge problem. And then his turn throughout the movie, I thought was brilliantly done. And I know it's- Dory's a little bit of an idiot, obviously, because of the short-term memory loss and all these other things, but- oh god i just thought it was such I just a thought, it's beautiful jeff
1: no I, th- I completely agree i mean this is it's so obvious you might even be scared to have made the choice because it's it's just it's just the right choice but they lean into it hank without going into crazy detail and flashbacks <laughs> it's the he's the inverse of dory's theme he is so traumatized by a past that we don't really know about that right. he doesn't want to go back to the ocean he literally says like you're lucky you can't remember you don't have to hurt Oh, and i mean so just meaningful. like the fact that they're a team i just i just i just i don't know i just think it wrote itself and is it, not taking credit away from them like they just made all the right choices so dave i agree with you we went to go see the movie because nemo was so successful and we love the character of dory but i thought they really i thought they hit the bar man i think this is a brilliant
2: yeah. brilliant I'd, almost I'd to, perfect film i'd love to go back and remember what my frame of mind was when i watched this because it just did not hit yeah. for me
0: yeah. at all did you just laugh at the Sigourney weaver you? thing I heard you, David. <laughs> hi, I'm Sigourney Weaver. You didn't laugh at that when she's the the voice of the wildlife thing, like. Guys, I want to go. I'm going to take a trip up to fucking Bay I was there not I'm too long go, ago. I'm going to go with Angela. She was talking. I got a whole lec- I got a whole thing if about. If you come it. She, over she here, let's go. Let's ready up. to go.
1: We'll get an Airbnb. Let's go up for a We're weekend We're picking our dates. I can't wait.
0: I can't wait. We're talking to your fiance. Fuck you, Dave about your dates. Yeah, Dave, we're gonna fucking go to where Finding Demo is based off of. Come on.
1: Yeah, I got engaged, you guys. You, you didn't say anything, you know, congratulations on air or nothing? No. Mm. We're us. respecting your privacy. <laughs> oh, really? She buzzed it. She I thought about it. it. I thought about it earlier. All right, on. well, let's move on. Dave, I respect it. I think that's okay. I... I think it's touching. You should rewatch it, man. I think it might be better than you think it was. I
0: love Dave coming into this podcast. I saw it a long time ago. I didn't like it. I'm not going to do it. Fuck it. I'm not seeing
1: it again. (laughs) I got an extra (laughs) week. So funny. There are very few movies make that list.
0: (laughs) I can't believe five. Well, I know, dude. You you you
1: hate very few movies. So
0: Dave, Dave's going to vote for Wonder Woman, but we're going to have to make we're going to have to leave you hanging, Dave, because we got to set up the year 2017. John. Doing it, top ten as usual. So Wonder Woman <laughs>
1: for the numbers for domestic only comes in at number three, actually. So number one is uh, this was Dave's initially least favorite Star Wars, and now he thinks it might be his favorite of the recent trilogy, uh, Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. Right, that's Ryan Johnson's. <laughs> yes, it is.
2: Yes, it is. Okay, I, I, so I'll give it this better, but no, it's <laughs> okay. Okay. It's better on the rewatch, uh, but no, it's definitely not in the favorites.
1: I, I mean, that was a big deal, December 15. Really, I mean, mm. you know, it's, it still made a, it made an impact. We still went to go see it. Every, everybody in fucking America went to go see it. So that's number one. Number two, Beauty and the Beast, the live action with Emma um, Watson? Watson. Emma yep. Watson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've never <laughs> seen that, so I can't talk about it. Number three, Wonder Woman, which we're going to be talking about. Number four, this surprised me. Just domestic but the guardians of the galaxy volume two everybody did not love that as much as we wanted to but it's still Mm. one of the the most successful of the marvel ips Mm. that's surprising to me that it came that it placed behind beauty and the beast i was surprised by that i'll just i'll just make a general comment kids can uh... go see the guardians movies it's not the one of the more adulty ones i mean anyway number five spider-man homecoming which dave helped me out that's first that's tom holland's first solo spider-man movie number six it fuck yeah dude look Mm -hmm. at that r-rated horror drama making it into it's uh into the top 10 number seven the best thor movie without a doubt everybody knows it taika watiti's intro into marvel universe thor ragnarok cleaning up Unbelievable! I'm sure if it had come out in the summer, it would have been much higher on the list for domestic, but it came out in November. So it's number seven, number eight, Despic- Despicable Me three. I've never seen any of those, but good job, Steve Carell. Number nine, Logan. Fuck. Yeah. Mm. That movie is fucking mm. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who directed, uh, God damn it. Walk the line. The James last name Mang- of the Jones. Mangold. Yeah. Mangold dude. I thought that James was, Mangold. I thought that was just such a good movie. What a, yeah. it's basically unforgiven. In the superhero world. It's, it's, that's yeah, what, it's, I
2: mean, that's what I said. He really knows how to finish something. Ah, man. Like, so, so
0: cool.
1: I'm kidding. I'm
0: kidding.
1: At number 10, and I'll shut up after this, my boys are coming in strong. Fate of the Furious, bitch. Number eight. That's the eighth of the of the uh, Fast of the Furious franchise coming in with, uh, I think that's the first time we see Charlie Theron's if you character. Yeah, if you
2: don't remember what eight was about, neither does anyone else. <laughs>
1: It's the one with the <laughs> submarine. How could you forget? <laughs> they're they're driving on a, they're on they ice. drive on a glacier with a submarine chasing them that keeps oh, bursting so through the ice. <laughs> it's so um, ridiculous.
0: Some other standouts, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle would go on to make $961 million. And Despicable Me 3 made a billion dollars worldwide, but was not in our top 10 yeah. domestically. How fucking crazy is that? no, no, it awesome. was, it's number it was. eight. Number okay, eight, for, Despicable forget, Me 3. I'm, I was paying attention for sure. Um, Sure, sure, sure. In the top 10 internationally is Sean Lang 2, which is, I think, the first time that we have a top 10. We have a movie in the top 10. That was from China. I mean, it only made two million dollars here, so like obviously the international box offices have gone crazy, oh, but it made 835 million dollars. Um, and and none here, basically. Um, Coco had made a lot of money, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead men Tell No Tales, yada yada yada. <laughs> Justice League's in here. There's a lot of good shit that, that happened. Kong Skull Island, we saw that in person, and The Boss Baby made a half a billion dollars. Man, these things are unpredictable. Never saw Dun- that. Dunkirk also me, made me, me. half a billion dollars, which by the way. 19 films made $500 million or more which is a record 19 films made a half a billion dollars worldwide
2: good thing they saved Um, all that money for the pandemic (laughs) (laughs) Mm.
0: that's not how it works they immediately needed bailouts even because they don't have savings accounts that when you have stocks you don't have a savings account and then you need bailouts every time something goes wrong because you didn't save for the fucking rainy day fucking hate stock market okay cool stock buybacks are my favorite thing in the world first time since 1958 The top three films, which again are Star Wars: The Last Jedi, Beauty and the Beast, ah, The Fate of the Furious. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Well, what the fuck? Oh, domestically. Domestically, domestically. Okay. okay. (laughs) The top three films had a female main character. Well, shit. I don't know. I saw that on Wikipedia, so don't blame me. This is the year of the Weinstein files (laughs) coming out.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. You're right, dude. Last Jedi, Beauty and the Beast, and Wonder Woman. That makes sense.
0: Wonder Woman. Yes, you're right. Sorry, yeah. the one the yeah. one we're going to talk about in a second. Um, Split, M Night Shyamalan's film that you may remember mm. was this year's most profitable film in turn of re- in terms of return on investment or ROI, mm. as the uh, business school bros like to say, having generated a two thousand percent ROI. That is twenty to one. It is the eleventh film to cross the two thousand ROI list. And the first film to do so since 2015, it made two hundred and seventy-eight million dollars on a nine million dollar budget. That's what happens when you don't pay your actors and you only give them back end. Works really well. What every movie time. was this? Sorry, I was listening. Split. 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 I, I know you'll wow. I know you'll listen on the rewatch tomorrow. Anybody, is anybody listening? Wow. <laughs> the Despicable Me franchise being? became the highest grossing animated franchise of all time, beating the Shrek franchise, and Dunkirk making five hundred million dollars makes it the highest grossing World War II movie of all time.
2: Wow! Holy Sad shit. that that has its own category. How many
0: fucking World War II movies are there? Yeah, right. God it's a it. great those... fucking
1: genre, Jeff. Shut the fuck up, dude. He fucking love World War II. know, those movies, poor dude. Germans. So
0: good. Those poor Germans.
1: How excited eat... are you for Masters shit. of the Air? How pumped are you for that fucking series? I'm going,
0: dude. Can I go on to the awards? Yeah, I'm excited for this <laughs> yeah, series. Can't please. wait. When we're done watching four movies a week, I can't wait to watch some of these series. Awards. I, I actually watch the four movies a week, Dave. Okay. Awards. Shape hey, we're of Water. Hey, we done after this. <laughs> Shape of Water affectionately called the fish fucking movie, won best picture, <laughs> <laughs> and also won best director for Guillermo del Toro. Were you expecting
2: a buzz for that? Because I'm not I'm a <laughs> oh, <go> on a buzz on that.
0: Oh, come on. And also won a bunch of other awards, including best score for Alejandro Desplat, and some technical awards, acting awards this year went to Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, Francis McDormand did a f- clean sweep for Three billboards. God damn it, was she good in that movie. Mm. Sam Rockwell also won for three billboards in the supporting category. And Allison Janney did a full-on clean sweep for I, Tonya, beating out, who I thought would get it, um, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. Lady Bird's a fantastic mm. movie. And Lady Bird really gave us Greta Gerwig on her own, basically without any real help. That was that was fucking cool. Call Me By Your Name gave us Timothy Chalamet. That won Best Screenplay. Uh, I think it was an adapted screenplay, and it also got him nominated for an Oscar. It also showed us what it was like if Army Hammer ate a peachful full of cum. Um, that won Best Screenplay Adapted. <laughs> Jordan Peele won the Oscar for Don't, original Jordan screenplay for home. Get Out. <laughs> Beating Martin McDonough for Free Billboards. Martin McDonough can't catch a break. I feel like he's always number two. Sorry, dude. Blade Runner 2049 finally gets Roger Deakins an Oscar. Back Dave.
2: fucking time. Remember Jesus.
0: Me from Coco won Best Saw. And Kobe Bryant won an Oscar for an animated short film called Dear Basketball where his budget was so much higher than every other budget that it was up against. He had so much money, he gave John Williams money to score an animated <laughs> short, and it won best Oscar. I shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but it's been a couple years now, so congrats. I know, Bryant, that, was, congrats. that was such a ridiculous thing. Yeah, Lady Bird, Bird Phantom it, Thread. It was a good, it was a good short. <laughs> Lady Bird, Phantom Thread. I'll throw Baby Driver out. Those are my shout I, I can just
2: imagine like when they're reading out the shorts. It's like this, and this, and this, and Kirby Bryant. And, and just from the back of the theater here.
0: You hear, Fuck
2: you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> from one of the other uh, contestants. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to to borrow just...
0: from a Louis C.K. joke, somebody who drove a Kia Sorrento to the award ceremony was like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. I okay, gave two years of my life in my child's bedroom making this fucking movie, and then Kobe Bryant out, he gets John yeah. Williams. <laughs> so funny. Wonder Woman, baby. <laughs> All right, Come on let's do Patty it. Jenkins directed right, we're out of time Jack <laughs> Snyder Jason Fuchs Alan Heinberg This of course stars Gal Gadot Chris Pine Robin Wright Among many others We all know what it's about 2017's Highest grossing summer movie I rewatched it Did you guys rewatch this movie?
2: Yeah I did not
1: I did not Because I watched it last year So I feel like That was like the fifth Or fourth time I've seen it I think that's right. enough
0: Dave since you were A heartless prick In the last episode you wanted to Or last segment You want to go ahead And talk this time first Do you want to go?
2: Sure I mean, I, I think Still you're expecting me to Hardy come Park. out swinging for this, but it's by far not a perfect movie. Like, both okay. both of these are not, in my opinion, a, like a, a a really good summer blockbuster. This and was we a great origin out, film. Raider, this was Raiders the first, of the Lost
0: Ark lost.
2: This was, the, this was the first time that Warner Brothers, it came even close to getting it right in a fucking long time. Um, And it was a great character. And mm. <laughs> that's fair.
1: I should give you twice
2: as far as the origin story goes like it was great it all everything worked for me and but it was a, it was very much a self-contained story it felt more like i agree it felt more like something elevated out slightly out of the the schlock we used to for a summer blockbuster but well i mean that's what the do you mean it just had a little more depth than you get from your usual summer blockbuster there was there was like story and there. there was more development than you normally get in like a blockbuster film grant like there were there were the hero sequences like where she jumps up and runs across the guns in the
1: no man's land in, yeah, sequence. no man's and, land yeah. like
2: that and that was that was a great thing the like the reveal of the actual villain um and the battle that follows but for me that battle was kind of a non event like i think about the rest of the film rather than that like all of her journey to get to that battle and then like the battle is my least remembered thing from the film
0: i think i have to agree yeah i have very very complex
2: feelings about this movie i've seen it like 15 20 times
1: is the inverse argument to that that the the substance over action that there 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 is a lot of weight given to the origin on the island And then her story of adaptation, if you will, into becoming Mm. assimilated into this culture and a love story, a very, very rich, you know, they give a lot of time to them getting to know each other. And um, so, yeah, do you think that there's just, there is an audience that maybe appreciated that more? Or do you think objectively for a superhero movie, that is something that is, they could have given more time to with the
2: action? Well, from a DC movie, this is what you expect like this uh, like in from a good dc movie this is what you expect you expect the characters to take time getting to know each other and developing and those relationships to take place DC and you see that
1: minus nolan's batman's we're, we're never talking about this is that right
2: i mean even nolan's batman you get the character relationships building and stuff like that there are action beats yeah. but you definitely get the relationships between characters building even like batman and joker in dark knight like you get Mm -hmm. that relationship you understand that relationship and what it is for both of them so you you get that that build of character that build of connection that build of relationship and stuff and that that's what a good dc film does because their their characters like react differently i want to say like the they're not as yeah. Showy yeah. as the Marvel films. It, it's, and I think that's why a lot of people prefer the Marvel films because they're big and they're fun and there's quips and all that sort of stuff. And every time DC tries to do that, it fails. But yeah, I, th- I feel like this was like it was great and it was fantastic to see that character come to life. Uh, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. It's like I, despite what I said about Dory, they're, they're sitting fairly even.
1: Really? I didn't, I guess I didn't know you felt that way. And just, just to clarify, are you saying that it's mostly because there's not a huge cathartic action sequence payoff at the end that would have justified all of that buildup? Or is it, is there something else about it that it bothers you equally?
2: No, no, it's just, it was just, I feel like I appreciated the journey more than the destination in that film completely. Like when we got to Ooh. the fight at the end, when the fight was revealed and she had to draw on all of her power, it was spectacular. But when I think about Wonder Woman, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about, like, the conversations in the bar and her walking across No Man's Land and, you know, the the dance sequence and, like, things like that, all, all of those building moments that built on the relationships between the characters. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, no, I agree. I, I don't necessarily agree, but I, I hear you.
3: Hmm.
1: I think the thing about this movie let me start out with a pro because anyone who's alive with, you know, if these podcasts live on into the future and people listen to them, I think one thing we have to point out God, is that aliens don't find these. <laughs> this <laughs> movie came out on at the perfect time. Yeah. The one and only Donald motherfucking Trump had just been elected. And this movie comes out and all the women's movement momentum this was a a very strong media representation of that movement, I felt like. Um, not too long after this was the women's march, I believe. when well, seventeen. That was
0: that was the next day after Trump's election. Yeah. Literally Trump it was actually after the election. So it was still November of twenty sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. An entire gender protested against Trump.
1: <laughs> I feel like I just saw like it was already like the pr was already out there though even by that time i remember walking through uh, that march um supportively of course walking through it but i was kind of just you know walking around in new york and just taking it all in and i saw so many little girls dressed up as wonder woman yeah and i just remember thinking like fuck yeah dude like this is this is awesome i thought patty jenkins um leading this movie it did feel like a slightly different take on what a superhero movie could be. And and, yeah. and not just because they were a part of the DC family versus the novel traditional storytelling, but this one I felt like did end up being ultimately really successful. My only... It's not even a criticism, I mean, just, but it's just an just observation clarify, of, Like what
2: I was saying before wasn't a criticism of the film, it's a compliment.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, the thing that has always been curious to me about the way that this movie climaxes, because I agree with you, the climax for me isn't necessarily the action that follows, it's her epiphany of, of choice and power mm-hmm. and where that comes from. And I thought it was really interesting that in this movie led with a female superhero about being a really powerful woman and assimilating into modern female culture, that she falls in love and then ultimately learns how to be a hero from the man she falls in love with, sacrificing himself. That's something that I've I've always interpreted, and I, I don't really know how it could be interpreted any other way. He takes the plane up, and she's losing the battle, and he basically communicates with her one last time and says, you got to do what you got to do kind of thing, and it's always going to be worth it. And she learns from him how to be the hero she needs to be. Now there is a uh, obviously there's another feminist way to look at that that could still be like, "Yeah, of course, we don't have to do this all on our own, and I think that is you know clearly the message of this movie. But I just thought it was interesting that they ended up using a love story and her connection to a man to actually be the catalyst to her finding her her own strength, yeah. That, that's that's always just been an interesting observation that I've made from this movie and maybe it's because of the time it came out that it just seemed I was so aware of that mindset and I kind of went in thinking there's no way there's <laughs> no, going to be a no, love we, story of the all, of this we all recognize but, that
2: yeah I mean okay, but okay. That, that character is canon he like they needed to include him I don't know whether he should have been the, the second that, one that, <laughs> the source that, he definitely shouldn't have been the second one. Oh my god what the <laughs> he, fuck was he that he came back it's like, man mm-hmm. she
1: did not let him go did she she yeah. brought his ass back
2: yeah, and the port of the um, that he inhabited for a week.
0: The second the, the second one was not our favorite. We talked about that one at length. Because that came out during the pandemic. That, if that movie was good, it would have been so necessary. It was like April yeah. of 2020, right? It was like May of 2020. It was right yeah. then. And we were like, no, damn it. And cause I feel like this movie is, I thought it, it was starts December. out as a, I was at home in New Jersey, so December checks out. So maybe I had that wrong. So December makes sense yeah because
2: I, I remember okay. watching it around christmas time and just going yeah nobody's ready for this you're right
0: you're 100 right um this movie starts out as a superhero movie i love all of the the mythology i mean they, they fuck with the, you know thor and the and amazons it's actually like, yeah, yeah. And, stuff. And, and this is the amazons i mean you hear that um the flight of the Valkyrie, like robin you know, right dude like yeah robin Wright. yeah dude, she's awesome so it, it starts out as a superhero movie with like you can't train you don't know who you are you don't know who your father is and how powerful you are, and you know all this stuff. It's, it's, I mean, it's Elsa from Frozen. It's like all the superhero kind of stuff. You know, the lore, the mythology, it's so great. And then it becomes a war movie, and that's, I mean, like her learning how regular people walk and talk, and trying to understand war. It's, it, it, it becomes very war centric for me. And that last sequence, I mean, if I get any more fucking lines of of voiceover or dialogue from David Thewlis, aka Lupin from Harry Potter, and he just is talking to her like, no, this is your power. And I was like, okay, you're not the emperor from Star Wars, right? And so this whole thing, it, it just, I really don't like that last <laughs> sequence. I really don't like it at all. I'm with Dave on that 100%. But I actually didn't mind it being... Because we saw her do the superhero shit. But we didn't really see her go ham on it. But I, So I was okay. I was ready for the superhero reveal. But I wonder if the stakes were too high. Not in the sense that she had to fight um, um... Not Apollo. What's Aries? The guy? Aries. Aries. Not that you had yeah. to fight Aries, and the the flip that it's not who you think it is. It's not um what's that guy's name? It's not Danny Houston. That it's actually David Thewlis, who is British. You know, so the, the, yeah, the Brits have Aries, and they still get fucking bombed and yeah, whatever. We, fine. Yeah, they we, do we can play colonials. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I didn't even mind. I didn't. I didn't mind that at all. That was Hi, actually England, really thanks good for flip. listening. That was a good flip. <laughs> But the stakes are so high on this war that she can't end the war unless she beats Ares, I guess. But then they have to have this whole battle sequence because now they have all these other characters that have to do something. So they're all doing this like tangential mission. So these two missions, it do, it's not the Star Wars thing where you have big, medium, you know, huge, or you have like the huge space battle. And then you have like the medium sized this battle. And then you have like Luke and the Emperor. And it's like they, they manage that really well. In this movie, I, I don't need to see the rest of the. Anything else in the war? It was just her against Aries. I don't know. For some reason, I feel like the structure of just specifically that leading up to her against Aries with the war going on. For some reason, it doesn't check out for me. But I didn't mind. I didn't mind. A, I didn't mind a lot of it, but it didn't blow me away. I'm not being. Do you think about that's this because?
1: Aspect. Do you guys think that's because? And I'm gonna tip my hat because y'all know where I stand. She's on amazing. The horse.
0: I think. I think she helps a lot, but she's also needing to learn. She doesn't know anything, and I think that's a tricky. That's a tricky place for your main character to be in. Sorry, John. Back to you.
1: No, no, yeah, that 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 that's totally true. But when you're dealing with a super virtuous, the most one of the most powerful people in the universe, character like a Superman or a Wonder Woman, I think they did a good job of dodging the bullet. Of well, she can't fight all the time. She's just going to kill everybody all the time. Like there's, there's hmm. it's just never interesting when the most powerful person in the universe fights. You know, it's it's always hard to create obstacles against that. So, part when of she, me, I hear she what you guys fight, are it was saying. Nazis.
2: So you're on board automatically. I know, yeah, I know. And I, I also wonder if they, if
1: they took a note from the Captain America movies and thought, let's put her in a period war so that we can have her find her place um looking at the concept of good and evil and then ultimately we'll have her i don't know
0: and i like the flashback device you know i know this is canon but the fact that she's comfortable and happy working in a museum which comes up in the second movie too Mm -hmm. and then we go back and see her fighting you know like I, i i like that device i think that works really well and she's great she is really great it's just the end battle doesn't work for me so i'm trying to figure out why Developing the bomb, there's just something. I just feel like there's something else other than her and I think the end battle just doesn't this, like, work dialogue against I, each other for ten minutes.
1: I think the end battle doesn't work because of it's the Superman problem. Like the only person they could get her to fight is a god. Yeah, and then it's just two gods fighting. Like there's just nothing interesting yeah. about it.
0: it it's just like you know they're in a city mean? with and, a and, trash trashing buildings. And we know yeah. she's gonna. And we know she's gonna win. That you know, it's like the, maybe this is why. Here you go. Let's use
1: you know my favorite dc character whenever batman would find his way with really good villains and whether or not we we love the joker and there's a lot of uh representations of their climaxes in different different movies and comic books and tv shows even with bane which some people may not have thought it was as a good one raz al ghul there's something that happens emotionally in the fight with the two, the protagonist and antagonist in those movies that you're kind of watching them duke it out as almost equals. And you know, you're waiting for, you know, in this case, Batman to make some emotional turn to actually overcome himself, to overcome the villain. But it's personal. I think that is one reason why this one frustrated me is that it wasn't Ares that caused
0: that that change in her. It was Chris. Mm. It was pine. I think they do knew you know that, know I mean? which is like, why there was that I, that fucking dialogue was driving me insane. Where he was like, "You know that you and I should be teammates," and she's like, "No, I am good. People are good. We should save humans. Humans aren't worth saving." It's like they knew that that was the flaw of the movie. But the more mm. they talk, have you? Ever, I've been in a yoga. I talk about this all the time. Whenever I'm in a yoga class, and yoga is all about like this kind of like moving meditation, and people are like, "Come on, people, you need to stretch harder today, and you need to work harder." You're like, "Shut the fuck up!" Yeah, shut the fuck up. You need to let me do my moving meditation. If you keep talking at me, I'm just being mad at you, and then I'm not dropping into my breath or whatever.
2: That's why I don't go to yoga because this is as far as I stretch, motherfuckers. Like,
0: (laughs) I just I feel like they knew that that was a flaw, and rather than i think they tried to overcompensate but that dialogue really drove me insane at the end of this and it's too bad because i loved her in this movie i loved all the guys like responding to her i love how she used anything to her power her looks obviously the way she used that i thought it was very effective and you know but like oh man that, right. the, the final battle just we here. gotta
2: we gotta call it.
0: all right let's do it i feel like this is a better summer movie but i feel like finding Dory is a better movie You know what I mean? Like I feel like this is like a such an iconic summer movie, such a moment. But Finding Dory is a better movie. So what the fuck?
1: (laughs) Dave, you vote first, and I think we know what it is. Just so we can. Yeah, it's Wonder Woman. Okay. All right. Because Jeff, I completely agree with what you just said.
0: No, I like Finding Dory better. I'm voting for Finding Dory. I don't give a fuck. I I really like this movie. I like watching it again. But Finding Finding Dory is a better movie. I'm sorry this is a better summer movie Finding Dory is a better movie I'm voting for the better movie I know, I, know what the, I know what the bracket is I don't give a fuck
1: damn
0: yeah <laughs>
3: Shit.
0: and just for our <laughs> listeners record John and I have voted for the same movie every single time so far and it's driven Dave crazy a couple times but John and I voted for the same movie every single mm. time just vote for Wonder Woman it's okay you like I Finding did. Dory more but this is a better yeah. movie yeah.
2: it's not driving me crazy go fuck yourselves
0: so- <laughs>
1: God, you're right though. I mean, everything you said is true. All right, just to break rank. Just to break rank, I'll go Wonder Woman. Just because I uh I, I think we should I think we should try to split up at some point. But you're not wrong, dude. Like it's it's so clear. Dory is a a seamless film and Wonder Woman does have some issues, but,
0: but it's got that if extra gonna go oof. it's eat got some that extra-
1: popcorn and yeah summer blockbuster i mean I, I in my own life i have demonstrated this i haven't put on finding dory for fun i've put on i have put on wonder woman for fun
0: mm. you know have you ever so, watched have you ever watched wonder woman with a woman because it is it does it is i mean it's inspiring it's fucking it's cool it
1: just just the times i saw it in the theater i think i saw it twice in the theater and it was it was fucking cool man <laughs> sitting around with a bunch all of women right. that were like fuck yeah
0: all right wonder woman advances dave and cool. john sorry helen <laughs> but Ellen Ellen is in Finding Nemo so she you know that movie advanced so there you go so here we go people we're gonna take a very short break to pee and listen to some Dosside and we're gonna come back at you with 2018's highest grossing film The Incredibles 2 against 2019's Lion King quote unquote live action slash animated remake that made a fuck ton of money 1.6 billion dollars you see the timing
2: now Jeff right I, it says wrap
0: up. I see. Oh, we're back. <laughs> we're back. Uh, all right, people. Incredibles two against the Lion King. This is it. This is our final battle of our first bracket. because twenty twenty. There was no box office. We did go to the movies during COVID. We did. Couple times. Twenty twenty one. We went, and every single movie yeah. we went to, they tried to thank us to, for going to the movies, and we were like, just yeah. That just was that the was movie. the
2: birth of the Nicole Kidman thing, wasn't it? That's
0: right. We we were yeah. so ahead of that game. We kept complaining about it. I was complaining about it, and then two years later, here we are.
2: Yeah, two um, years later, there's people hand on heart reciting it, standing up in their chairs still. I mean, you gotta oh, get, man. you have
0: to get clever. You know, there's the long one, and the short. Apparently, there's going to be a new one at some point. Anyway. Yeah. Um. All right. I can't. About well, Wonder Woman moved on. It, it deserved to. It's great. <coughs> can't wait to see it in the next round. Incredibles two. Before we get to that, we got to talk about what else happened. How did Incredibles two become the highest grossing summer movie of 2018? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I
1: think I can answer that. Let me that okay. was a good transition. Else came I out. think I can answer that. It's because mm. Number one.
0: All right, <laughs> sure. right. No, that's number that for, one, that for me. It is.
1: Number one and number two, at least domestically, and I'm sure these will still reflect internationally in some order, are Black Panther and the Avengers Infinity War. Mm. But these two massively successful Marvel movies did not come out in the summer so you know so they do that they did that quite a bit some Infinity of their big War ones was,
0: that was pushing it for us it was close right wasn't that april yeah. 27th i have april 27th yeah, yeah exactly it was so, close I mean, like it, I mean anything not a summer
1: movie toast. though i, I mean that <laughs> we is said the, may yeah that that's, is the... that's, that's pushing it that's pushing it so that's why uh so incredibles 2 number three number four jurassic world fallen kingdom which i believe is the second
0: third
2: yeah it's third it's second 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 yeah because we saw the third last year the, the fact that we uh the had to have man, this, this discussion show. tells you why it's not on our show tonight yes <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> the second one is that one with the trailer with the animals the line the uh, lines the uh dinosaurs falling into the ocean like there because right. the island was erupting and shit <laughs> uh number five deadpool 2 i would say an even better movie than deadpool 1 <laughs> you wouldn't be wrong
2: Oh, the ball. baby dick
1: and the X Force sequence. Those two sequences alone just make Dude, it a better. I mean, like, that,
2: I mean, you can you can spoil it now, but the X Force sequence is the best fucking practical joke, God like damn the it, long game practical so joke funny. I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so,
1: people, people it so is so. The commitment. People were so fucking good.
2: mad. <laughs> really good.
1: Number six, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. I don't even know what this is. They remade this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> This one I, even, I don't even I don't even this animated What are they talking about Wait what I think it was animated
0: it,
1: like, Yeah and I think um,
0: Nobody internationally Gave a fuck about this movie, I think Benedict
1: Cumberbatch Is the Grinch It's like He voices the Grinch Is that right Am I pulling that out of my ass Anyway That's number six <laughs> I don't know for man Somehow Yeah somehow uh, November Number seven Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. I did see that one. Yeah, That was actually pretty funny. That Enjoyed was that. quick. That, was that, came, that, out was, the, that yeah. came out
2: the year before, but it came out at the very end of that the year. That was a worthy successor.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you, yeah, you did. To you Zathura. Did Number eight. Number eight, Mission Impossible Fallout, which-
0: Oh, it's so good. It might be the best, right? I really, really,
1: really, really, really love this movie. <laughs> I think this movie is so yeah, fucking fun. <laughs> oh, man. So good. Halo Jump, get out of here. Number nine, Ant-Man so and the know. Wasp. Moving on, number ten. (laughs) 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 Number ten, solo. Can you see it? A Star Wars story. Can you literally physically see it? Because it's so Dave, you love it. Dark. (laughs) It's so dark. Um, That movie had like multiple changes. (laughs) Multiple changes. It changes and directors and some other key crews and it's, it's funny. I mean, like this has been I did a not, lot. i did not mind that movie nearly as much as i think other people were complaining about it i thought it was a yeah. fine addition. Rewatch
2: rewatches are good on it and I, I feel like nobody knew what to do with the fact that there were no jedi and sith in it it was all like shades of gray everyone was like a, a rogue i
0: also feel like they didn't know what <laughs> but, to do with the character so they just gave them some action and some sequences to work through and that, yeah. that works
2: i mean the dark stuff i'm I'm wondering because now like uh like amazon prime is specifically notorious for this um i'm getting stuff on my hdr tv and it looks like it's been graded for 10,000 nits and i've only got a thousand nit tv so it's like compressing it either compressing it down or just cutting the top off Hmm. and because it literally can't display anything higher than a thousand nits so i'm getting all the dark noise uh, no, it doesn't create noise. It just—it'll just—I'm not sure whether it's compressing. I don't think it is because you get the full range. Then it'd just look weird. But what I'm—what it looks like I'm getting is half the range. Um, and it because it's of a, brightness yeah. or what do you mean of yeah of, of contrast of detail contrast yeah. 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 yeah like the dynamic range of the picture no, really doesn't well. look right and it looks like they've only done a 10,000 nit one and they're just throwing that at thousand nit TVs. I don't know if that's actually the case, but that's what it bloody looks like. And if that's just what it 10, is, that's lazy.
0: 10,000 10, nits per unit.
2: Uh, 10,000 nits. Nits is a vol- uh, level of brightness. Okay. Simplest way I, I can will put say, it without I think, going so I think my it. only
1: big criticism about that movie is, unlike Rogue One, um, th- this was the first time where I feel like they were very, very consciously saying, like, cha-ching, let's make some spinoffs of th- some characters that everybody knows and loves, and who who do we love more than Han Solo? Yeah. And just to think of those two as comparisons, you know, putting a lot of time and money into releasing them within that trilogy time period... Um, for me, there's just no question. I think the problem that you had, Jeff, like arose because they had like, they had to try to justify like a really strong supporting character in a lead role now, as opposed to taking like an anecdotal story and doing whatever they wanted with it, just as long as it justified, you know, getting the plans to the, I feel like there was a lot more opportunity for original storytelling. Whereas this one kind of felt like they were relying on a lot of the tongue in cheek Han you well, know, again, it's to... like,
2: one, how do you recast Harrison Ford? It's almost impossible. Someone's really got to bring their A-game. No one could agree on what the tone should be, and uh, it was a case of they kind of just threw out a character that had, what, 18 minutes screen time in the movie? I don't think they found... And built a mythology th- around him.
0: And they could be wrong. Like, there's a million Joker films that that kind of guess like who the Joker is a little bit and kind of show you that. I don't think they found the pinch... Of what makes Han Solo Han Solo. And so they just did some shit with somebody that kind of acts like Han Solo and they called him Han. That's it for me. But, but um, it, Best it was, part very, of this movie, it was yeah. very entertaining though. It was very entertaining. Best
1: part of this movie is by far who? Guys, Lando. who is it? Fuck Lando, yeah. Dog
0: yeah. Yeah. Lando Lando Lando
1: Lovers, Lando Calarian. He's, 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 he's
2: writing him He's writing a series. Minutes. Yeah. He's writing the yeah, series. Yeah. Um the Lando series. Him and his brother. Oh. Him oh, his brother are, cool. yeah. There's, he still Sweet. wants to go with it. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Yeah. I'm all right, guys. Jeff, what do
0: we got for the that rest top, of the year That was a Contest. top ten?
2: Yeah, we just we that just blew 10. ten minutes talking about solo.
0: <laughs> um
2: <laughs> Did you I talk
0: get... about Aquaman and, and Bohemian Rhapsody and Venom and all this shit?
1: That's eleven, thirteen, and yeah, we don't we don't need to talk about them.
0: Okay, yeah. anyway. Pff, <laughs> again, a lot of movies in China are making a fuck ton of money this year. Um, I'm, I'm gonna mispronounce them, so I'm not gonna say any of them. But they, a lot, Ready Player One made a lot of money, except Just do not it with America. an accent. Mm-mm, mm-mm, nope mm-mm. <laughs> uh, Bumblebee <laughs> came out this year. A Star Is Born made 400 million dollars. So there's still like mo- movie. To, there's still money to be made in like quote unquote, you know, like meaningful like movie. Multiple. Movies. Like, Mommy, here we go again. Made some still money. Still money not to, not to be made the in the one. fifth
2: remake of, remake of a film.
0: Right. Also, by the way, Solo: a Star Wars Story only made like 150 million dollars outside of America. So the rest of America was like, do we need to give a fuck about this? No, the answer is no. Um, <laughs> yada yada yada. Uh, I'm sick of reading. There's so many records about Black Panther and Infinity War. They, they came out early in the earlier in the year than these mm-hmm. big movies, so they set all these. Black Panther set all these February records. Uh, Infinity War set all these April records. I don't give a fuck about any of them, so I'm not going to read any of them. Um, in the first quarter of 2018. China overtook North America as the largest box office market for the first time. China grows $3.17 billion in the first quarter compared to North America's $2.89 billion during that, which included Black Panther, which is big. Because at first I read this and I was like, well, we're talking about summer movies because Americans go spend a shit ton of money. John, (laughs) this is an audio podcast and we're just watching John's dogs fight on his bed. Yeah,
2: go to to YouTube if you want to see the... the, the... (laughs)
0: I don't hear any of this, by the way, so they're very silent, but there's just (laughs) California dogfighting in their bedroom. That is so fucking funny. Um, Is there anything else I give a shit about? Oh, this is important. I think this is kind of cool. Um, The weekend of March 9th through 11th, it was Black Panther's fourth week, and it was still number one at the box office with $40 million. Fuck. Which is the third highest fourth week of all time. And Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time is not a good movie, by the way. Opened at the number two spot. <laughs> Shit.
3: Yeah.
0: Actually, it's gonna fuck this stat up because it's supposed to be a good statistic, but that that movie's just not good. um So Ryan Coogler's The Black Panther was the number one movie, and Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time was the number two movie. That is the first time in history that the number one and number two spots were both directed by a black director. Yeah. 2018. Good. It just never happened. Not good
1: that it took so long, but.
0: So that's hopefully great, I mean, hopefully that's dude. not hopefully obviously this is a uh, something that's yeah. yeah hopefully that we'll means, see the changes. Yeah.
1: Um awards Shout out to Ryan Kugler's James Deacon the Team Deacons. Oh, podcast. I just listened to it. It was great. It was great. God, so inspiring. I mean
0: man is so he, the man. Shindher's Less right. was the first not Shindher's Less, of course. Pulp Fiction was the first ever screenplay he read. He was like it's probably not the best first screenplay to read. Right. <laughs> um wow.
2: He does not stick to convention.
0: But Quentin just put the screenplay on the, uh, how cool is that? He just put it on like the DVD. If you bought the DVD. Yeah, it was the first, the uh, yeah, yeah, that's hope. so cool. Okay, um, this is not everyone's favorite award season, 2018. <laughs> so 19. Green, oh, 2018 into 2019. So it was the 2019 Oscars, but we're still talking oh, about oh, the 2018 oh, okay, film okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Green Book won best picture. So already mm. you, lo- you, you lost all the woke people for sure. Green Book won best picture. Alfonso Cuaron won Best Director, Best Cinematographer, and Best Foreign Language Film, with that name was changed later, for Roma. So Green Book in Roma, that's a year that'll get everybody to go to watch the Oscars. <laughs> uh, the acting awards went to Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody, which he was great in that movie, but a lot of people were like, come on guys, this is not exactly like fucking dog day afternoon. Um, Christian Bale was also awesome advice. I think there was some political avoiding going on, but anyway. Olivia Colman, this is the moment of the Oscars. Is Olivia Mm. Colman winning for the favorite and she gets up there, she goes, I got an Oscar. (laughs) Like she can't fucking (laughs) contain herself. She's so funny in this, but Glenn Close for the wife. A lot of people thought was gonna win. Mahershala Ali won his second Oscar for Green Book. I'm gonna say this again, guys. Mahershala Ali has two Oscars and then he got paid scale to be in the second season of fucking um, Rami. (laughs) All right, people like you gotta give Mahershala some fucking attention, all right? He has two Oscars. He is is, isn't man, he blade dude.
2: now when they finally get around to releasing that?
0: Well, yes, yeah, so he finally should be making some money. Whatever. And he won an Emmy. At. Didn't he win for season three of True Detective? I don't think he won that Emmy, but I could do oh, that. Okay. Sure. Um, Regina King won for If Beale Street Could Talk. She won the supporting actress. Spike Lee won for oh, co-writing yeah, Black cool. spin and then he walked out of the ceremony when they read Green Book <laughs> He for Best fucking Picture. walked out but of the But just to be clear, yeah. even though not a, only screenwriters went for screenwriting. It's a little funny that he won an Oscar, and then essentially the same people who gave him an Oscar voted for somebody else and he walked out. Very interesting, very interesting conundrum for Spike. Um, green Book won oh, a screenplay. So that's hilarious for again, oh, the woke mob was not happy about this year, for sure. Um, Spider Verse won I've best animated film. Book. I mean, he folds a full pizza in half and tries to eat it. So you watch some things like that, and you're like, "Okay, I get what you know what I mean." But also, like the context and stuff. Yada, yada. It is th-
1: so much better than you think it's going to be based on so what the story is. I was it's, you can tell I'm a story sorry, about folks, anything, but it's a good movie. I know I'm not it's, saying a, it's the best
0: movie of the year, but it's really good. I know it's a white driver with a black artist. I get it. And they're like, "Why don't they just make the movie about the black artist?" They did. They just put it from his point of view. And there are plenty of movies that do a similar device, but it gets compared to Driving Mrs. Daisy. And and anyway, it's. is there are a lot of things about it that are very well done that's what i think but yeah i also get i I, I get it free solo won best documentary i've seen that movie so many times i love free solo it freaks me out every fucking time and i know he lives because he was at the ceremony but god damn it free solo is so good ludwig gorensen say a word by the
1: way i felt like that was so funny when they went up to accept for that do you remember that he was just like standing in the background and they were like thanking their families and he was just like the guy the back. who did yeah. This yeah. incredible the did act. Is just like chilling on stage. But they stage were all said like we were hanging off the side of a mountain, just waiting
0: for this guy to fucking do this. Yeah. He also has the Michael Phelps thing, where he like he doesn't get lactic acid, and he like doesn't get when his heart rate goes up, like it doesn't stress him out. Like his body just doesn't produce the fear hmm. juices which is why he's able so to climb out into that fucking harness and not worry about dying. It's really crazy. Um, it's also shallow, why he probably
1: will die one day doing that kind
0: of shit. Oh my God. I watched I watched a different climbing <laughs> not, documentary. Least. <laughs> I watched a different climbing documentary about this guy that was like even better than him. And then he fucking dies by the end. And it was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just watched this documentary. And then all of a sudden they're like, and then he went on a hike one day and that was it. It was like, Oh, shallow one. Best. Yeah. <laughs> Shallow won best song. You might remember that. So Lady Gaga got Shallow. Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she cried a lot when she won that award, but it's very moving. Very moving. Very awkward performance. Yeah. And Bohemian Rhapsody won both. Uh, black Panther won production design, and I think it was the first ever black costume designer to win too. So I think that's a huge award if I remember correctly. Bohemian Rhapsody won both sound awards, and actually they incorporated like the Dolby effect that we now would like come to know and love the Dolby Cinema. They they, they incorporated that into the initial sound design even for regular theaters. So I, tr- I listened to a podcast with the guy that did the sound for Bohemian Rhapsody, and it won. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. Yeah. It was just a little commercial. Anyway, we have no time. That's the whole. That's all the time we have for yep. this segment. That's a big one. Did you guys talk about Incredibles? Too? Did you guys did you guys watch it? I mean, did you guys rewatch it?
1: Yeah, I rewatched it.
0: I did. What do you guys think, Dave? <laughs> uh, wow, don't 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 you know leave it all out there at once. Like I, I've got. No, to, I'll start.
1: I'll, okay. I'll start if cool. you want me to. Yeah, I, did, I, I did. watched it. You, you guys, I watched it like maybe night of our last recording, which was two weeks ago, or like right after that, Monday or Tuesday. Um, and I know I enjoyed watching it but today I was looking over some information about it and I didn't remember all of it, (laughs) which made me, which made me kind of think like, I know I enjoyed watching it. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's really good. It's really good. And it just didn't really like ring after the echo of the experience just didn't really stay with me. Um, But I enjoyed all of it. I think it's really, you know, no surprise, like all these Pixar movies and, especially with the the success of the first one the structure is really clean the evolution of these characters was fun they switched the perspective and now it's mostly um you know about elastigirl and holly hunter the mother's character kind of leading it now and then they you know there's a lot of wonderful commentary on women in the workplace versus mother and family you know obligations and her navigating that, as well. The inverse is true with Craig T. Nelson as uh, Mr. Incredible struggling yeah. to stay at home. So those things are right there. They're 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 almost on the nose. The way they talk about them is just so obvious. But you can you know you get away with that with good animation. You, you, it's okay. It wouldn't be okay if it was live. It's okay that it because it's animated. And uh, and ultimately, I loved um, I loved the the twist. With the, the villains, um, I thought it was really fun that, you know, uh, Bob Odenkirk and Katherine Keener, the brother sister duo, you think it's going to be Bob Odenkirk, you think the guy with all the money and she's kind of in, you know, the twist that she's actually that she's actually the one behind it, as charming as that is, I think it just didn't have quite enough juice for me to feel like it was significant. And I think that might be my my only criticism about it. Mm. The twist when you find out that Catherine Keener is the one behind it, because she's kind of in the backseat of the organization and her brother is a little bit more naive and optimistic about this, the death of their father and like how they both got wrapped up into this and that ultimately she has evil motives. It, it lands, it makes sense on the page, but like looking back on the film, it just it just didn't really matter for yeah. me, even though we all agreed that when we watched the first one, um, God, who's the villain? I'm, I'm making this point and I'm trying to remember the name of the villain in the first one, but I remember when yeah, we I'm like chatted about
3: too.
1: it. That one, for some, for some reason, I can think of him, even though I can't remember his name. It's yeah. kind of like Benji and Mission Impossible. I think of that character and what he did in that
2: story. Was and, it, was it Jason Rings... Lee or
0: Wallace Sean that was the villain in the first one?
2: Jason Lee, I think. Um,
0: is it Jason Lee, Buddy Pine, Syndrome voice? Syndrome? Yeah, syndrome,
1: yeah, yeah, right? That, yeah, wouldn't that be him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for some reason that rings true and has a stronger after effect of and I guess that I guess that's what equals significance. Yeah. Dude, if it's a extremely rewatchable. <laughs> yeah, of course. This movie is extremely rewatchable, but when you talk about rewatchable versus significance, sometimes the significance is so intense that you don't need to rewatch the movie as often. But a rewatchable movie should also have enough significance so that it it keeps pulling you back. There's something that you're chasing for that rewatch and as much as i enjoyed watching this i was really shook today when i was kind of looking down at my notes and looking yeah. up the imdb pages that i was literally i was talking to it's elizabeth just and i was pretty like colors. dude what the fuck happened in that movie i just watched it like a
2: week and a half ago dude that's like me right? every time i watch event horizon i still can't tell you how that <laughs> fucking movie ends but, uh, oh, come on. Sam Neil is like, it's yeah, okay, it's, you're here. And it's, the, it's, the visor comes up. And
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> it, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'll forget that by tomorrow. But, like, but it's like i re rewatch it every time, but it, it fucks me up at the end and I forget how it ends. But, uh, I, I will say to your point with that, if and they, you, the animators are usually really good with this sort of thing. Like, if they're going to pull a whammy with that sort of villain on the rewatch, you pick up hints There's little bits of action and stuff. They get them to do that. Like there's a, you can see it if you're doing it on the rewatch. There's breadcrumbs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and they, they didn't do it for some reason in this, like there's no real hint. Like, uh, for instance, on, for example, I recently rewatched WandaVision and on the rewatch, there's so many fucking hints that are right there in front of your face of what's going on. You're like, how did I miss that? like but it's so much it's fun to watch the second time through because there's little bits of action or something in the corner of a frame or you know that's that's hidden and they just this one just didn't have it so when they pulled off that twist it kind of felt a little cheap
1: especially with to your point i think the place where they would have planted a lot of those seeds are they establish a new villain screen slaver and he is kind right. of this surrogate for Catherine keener where we eventually find out in the the, the final twist the the of the third act, not even going into the third act, like the actual resolution. Um, and they don't, yeah, I guess like, that's a good point, Dave. Like they make you genuinely think that Screenslaver is independent until she finally does have a fight with him at the midpoint of the movie and she pulls off his goggles and realizes he didn't even know what he was doing, he was hypnotized. Now maybe we could say that the hypnotizing is the first time we think, okay, they're trying to deflect and we're supposed to think it's Bob Odenkirk like yeah, of course yeah. it's him of this course, guy who's so yeah of course he's so optimistic he's so positive it has to be this cheesy guy this business big business guy um but i know what you mean like it does kind of just feel like they're hoping that that deflection will be enough and when i watched it it was it worked but after the fact i just don't know if i'm very
2: excited about
1: it i don't yeah. know if i feel like if, it's, if that's I a super know, I, mean, I, I know exactly inspired what i mean choice
2: like i i re it and yeah, I'm having trouble coming up with examples of stuff. There was it was just it was fun to watch, and it, now it's over. That was that was my whole thing with it. It, it didn't really. Right, how about this then? Elevate above
1: what that. What I think is what my favorite parts about the second one are are what's happening with the family, not yeah. the villain. And that kind of takes me back to our Wonder Woman concept. It was more interesting what was happening to me in their dynamics. They give a lot more screen time to the daughter. And the brother. And then the baby starts revealing Jack-Jack, um, yeah. whatever his name is, Jack, starts Jack, revealing Jack, all yeah. his powers. And so what's happening with the family dynamics and then the switching of the the roles with the parents of who's going to be there, who's going to be in the house, that is that is what I think of when I think of Incredibles 2. Yeah. Uh, it is very much an afterthought who the villains are and who they're fighting. It almost doesn't matter. So in mm. a sense, it kind of feels like Oh, here we go, I'm gonna make this comparison, Freddie, It kind of feels like season two of The Crown, where I, I loved season two of The Crown because it wasn't as much about these historical touchstones, it was much more about their relationships. And with The Crown, I don't know if that, you know, was historically accurate, but I enjoyed their going away from those touchstones and thinking more about them actually interacting with each other behind closed doors. This one, I feel like Incredibles 2 does something very similar, but what's the cost of that? the exact conversation we just had about mm. wonder woman if you don't have that catharsis at the end of it where they overcome evil it it kind of you're kind of there's just not a fulfillment of the genre that you're really hoping for something that's going to come at the end where they save the day and this one yeah. just i just don't know if it has that so there, I you, you, go. The there you go
2: america now uh, you've got homework you have to go out and watch the crown to get what we were just talking about because i know half of you haven't seen it oh you're welcome too it's such a good show
0: i feel like it's just a really good popcorn flick we could just call it out what it is i mean i saw this in the theaters and i thought i saw it opening weekend and the theaters was packed and i honestly hadn't seen the first incredibles when i saw it i rewatched the Incredibles, or i watched the incredibles after seeing incredibles 2 not the first time i did that not the last time it's going to happen and it's just so fucking fun it's just a really fun movie it's just Mm. really 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 fun i'm with you on it except I, I was excited and it was entertained in the theater. So I feel like this does work well. And I also completely agree that when I push play on this movie, I thought for myself, I thought for a second, I have no fucking idea what this movie's about. And I saw it in theaters five years ago. And I remember watching it in a full audience that loved it. And I remember thinking, <laughs> I actually remember, I was thinking Samuel Jackson's the villain. Is this his character turned on them? Like he pretends to be their friend and he's the villain. Like I, I remembered nothing other than he was in it. And I remember the incredible. I remember it opened. I kind of, as soon, but it, it, it all came this, back to me when I
2: watched it. Does this movie fucking hypnotize us while we're watching it? So you can never remember <laughs> the it ending? Does, I don't, Maybe I don't it's know.
0: so good
1: that we can't remember but the it, ending. It, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> rewatching
0: it. It was, it was really, I had a really good time rewatching it. And you're saying you remember the parenting things. I probably will remember the, um, Our Superheroes Good or Bad with the boat. Now that I've rewatched it, I probably oh, will yeah, remember yeah, yeah. that. Call. Um, you know, like where they have, and I actually thought, I thought it would have even been more interesting, but this is just me coming back. Oh, it's actually that they hire the good superheroes and the bad superheroes. So they hire the good superheroes to beat the bad superheroes, which would be good for business. So then, you know what I mean? So they mm-hmm. like, it's like, um, you know, they do that with like uh, chemical companies, movies, you know, they hire the opposition so they can beat the opposition to look good or whatever. But anyway, yeah. I, I I thought that would be it. It's very entertaining, but I know in a year I'm going to forget it again. So it's it's I'm in a weird spot because there's nothing wrong with this movie. There's Mm. nothing wrong with it. I'm not even going to sit here and sit there and be like, I wish the villain was blank. The villain worked for me. The twist worked for me. It was totally fine. It was just simple and clean.
1: I don't know. Yeah, that is so weird that we are all, not that it's not weird that we're all in agreement. Sometimes that happens, but it's weird that we all feel the exact same way, like very specifically. There's nothing wrong with that. I I enjoyed watching it. I don't remember it.
0: I remember, the, yeah. I remember the house, I remember the baby with powers. I don't. I didn't remember the plot at all. I thought Samuel Jackson was the villain. I I, I forgot, I had no idea.
1: Yeah, so weird, but our, our, I enjoyed it. Our let's fi- do it, let's keep so going. It was a
0: really, really fun movie. Our final year. Final, final year. year of our bracket, 2019, before the well, yeah. whole fucking hell broke loose. Guys, these fucking numbers, oh my God. I'm just gonna monster, say, jo- jo- you're, you're gonna talk about domestic movies. Nine movies made a billion dollars this year. Nine insane, movies dude. that came out in 2019 Made a billion dollars You're telling me that the movie industry was not fucking furious That the movie industry struck, shut down the next year for COVID Nine movies made a billion dollars in 2019 John, what what movies Let's talk domestic numbers for a second Because that's our gig What's up? What happened domestically in 2019? Nine movies made a billion dollars this year <laughs> Nine it's, It is
1: hard to fathom um, All right so, number one, no surprise, I mentioned Infinity War last time, so we all know what is number one this year. It's in-game. Uh, they earned it. Came out in April 26, mm-hmm. just they? like Infinity War, so we didn't count
0: it. Mm-hmm. Dave, you know the answer is mm-hmm. yes. Fuck, I buzzed myself. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll take it. The Lion it. King, number two. Number three anybody who listens to this podcast
0: is how is the still... lion king number two this year how the fuck did this lion king remake make the second most there are nine movies that made a billion dollars and the lion king remake is number two how did this happen i know we just talked about beauty and i mean the Beast, they, but... they
2: waited the perfect time every parent has a kid now and yeah. they want to expose them to what they've seen but they'll see it in the, the cg that the kid is familiar with so it's yeah. it's you know it's perfect for everyone it's it's like a way, sonic yeah. thing
0: By the way, I know Spider-Man Far From Home, which is coming up, sorry, John, um, is not a, a Disney property, technically. It's a Sony property, which gets punted, but if you count that as disney if you if you put it in an mcu in for some way the top 7 of these movies are all fucking disney again so no wonder that disney plus came out everybody's like oh my god they're doing disney plus of course they're fucking doing disney plus sorry john back just
1: to- really quickly though really quickly do we even feel comfortable saying it that way cuz like when marvel makes it there's a studio dedicated to that there's a dedicated pixar studio back in the 80s would we have said coke made this movie when they had when they owned whatever they owned in the 80s you know what i mean it's almost like they, they don't touch marvel's i don't know, do you know what I mean? it just feels a little weird you're not wrong they do own them but the, disney did not make pixar movies Crap, or crack, marvel crack, crack, movies but i i know, I know, mean. Mean, it is, I know it's, it's fucking
2: frozen yeah, um, yeah, okay they, they did for a, a little while when they, that other idiot took over they were they were right. interfering mm. with the production number three everybody
1: on who listens to this podcast as i was saying is waiting for us to have mark back on so we can talk about it frozen 2 is number three (laughs) Ah, yes uh number four is toy story 4 isn't that cute number five is captain marvel number six star wars the rise of skywalker so the end of the new trilogy yeah yeah the end of the new trilogy yeah they rise Um, at the number seven Apparently, yeah, sure. Uh, Number seven, Spider-Man Far From Home. (laughs) So many Palpatines.
0: Uh, Number eight. Just fucking kill Chewbacca. Don't fake kill Chewbacca. Just fucking zap him. If you're going to kill him, (gasps) fucking kill him.
1: Yeah, don't be scared. I know. I feel dude, that was that could have been mm. such be a consequential Chewbacca. sequence. Cowards. <laughs> that could have been huge. It was. No, I we they got were Ray to cry
0: and then we said, okay, let's make Ray stop crying by having him come back. Cause it was a different ship in the desert. Are you fucking kidding me, you cowards? The different ship in this desert just happened to take off at the exact same time
1: mm. that Chewbacca was dude, going to. When was the last time you watched it? It feels fresh. The anger. <laughs> now he hangs <laughs> on to it,
2: dude. You you've heard the Toy Story Number, thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Number eight. Aladdin live action another live action Disney movie and Smith. number 9 uh Joker which is that's a big deal you guys Yeah that yeah. is none of the other like generally speaking the Oscar movies haven't really been making it yeah. into these top 10s for the yeah. summer or for the year excuse me domestically that yeah. made it in and then number 10 following up to last year's uh It Chapter 2 Yeah the uh, mm. the culmination of that R-rated
0: did Stephen not do King as well classic. as the first one Domestically, internationally, yeah, not so much. Um, Will Smith turned down Django Unchained, but Aladdin, yeah, knock yourself out, Will. All right, um right, let's.
2: So inter- that was that was almost the movie we were talking about. He turned <laughs> internationally down Neo too. Did you know that?
0: Yes, but that one is funny because he just didn't get it, and I get, I kind of, you know, I kind of get it. He was getting offered every single movie. Can you imagine reading like ten scripts a week, and that's one? And you're just like, what the? I don't know what the fuck is going on. I need more time with that. Okay. Yeah, you did a good job. Joker um, Joker two coming out Halloween twenty twenty four. Can't wait. Um, Jumanji next level somewhere in there too. Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw made a lot of money internationally, not as much here as you would think. And then we have one, two, three Chinese films in the top sixteen. So China again killing it. Mm. All right, um, I'm skipping the MCU accolades. I can't take it anymore. (laughs) Disney Studios became the first studio. (laughs) Jesus. Disney Studios became the first studio in history the to surpass the $10 doll. billion dollars in worldwide box office grosses. Aladdin became the highest grossing release of all time in the Middle East. Looks what, look, look what happens when you actually cast appropriately. Man, that first Aladdin, they were really white, considering they were from Agra. Um, the, let's see. Um, it also is the highest grossing film in Japan to date. Aladdin. Um, it <laughs> what also, the fuck? <laughs> And it's the highest grossing Will Smith movie. <laughs> Parasite! This is the year of Parasite, people. The movie Dave refused to watch until we watched it on our podcast. And then, of course, he fucking liked it. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. I can't stop. I'm just imagining hordes of Japanese people going to the theater to see Aladdin. I, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah.
0: See Will Smith with all that charisma.
1: <laughs> why, um, why did they do that?
0: <laughs> Please tell me there
2: was cosplay. <laughs>
0: Uh, there is Parasite Bong Joon-ho won four Oscars this year for best picture, best director best film not in the English language they changed the category as we had mentioned might happen after Roma and the original screenplay category Bong Joon-ho won four Oscars he was really funny Ford. Here are the other movies nominated for Best Picture. I'm just because I like them all. I think this is a good year. Ford versus Ferrari, fantastic film. There's your James Mangold shout out of this this uh, segment. The Irishman. Al Pacino should have won that Oscar. More on him later. Jojo Rabbit. What? That was this year. Joker. Little Women. Yeah. Marriage Story. 1917. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This was our first ever episode. It was essentially right around the time the Oscars were announced. God, what a year! Yeah. What a great year. Joaquin won for the Joker, of course, and then asked everybody to become vegan in a, in a very productive way. I thought it was a great speech. <clears throat> Renee and he, they played the music and then he mentioned, but my brother wrote and then went, They're talk- he's talking about River and so they shut the music off. Really funny speech. Renee Zellweger won for Judy and I feel like the rest of the world just sort of swept that under the rug. But Renee Zellweger won a second Oscar. Brad Pitt car- category frauded his way into an Oscar here for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Apparently. He was a supporting actor even though the entire third act was about him and he had basically as much screen time if not more than leo but he was he's this for sure.
2: category fraud
0: we came up with that basically because of this year right yeah right because right. <laughs> you also had, the movie's called two popes <laughs> and one of the popes was the supporting pope right like, they do they the, yeah <laughs> this fucking oh, movie. God, I feel all the, so all the, and then Al Pacino for the Irishman, who is so good. This is the best Al Pacino performance in like three decades. And he loses to people who are leads. It's unfair. Anyway. Uh where did I leave? Laura Dern, won oh, for Dad. Marriage Story, which is a very moving, powerful movie. No, is that no Baumback? Um it's a really good movie. Very tough to watch. Really good. Taika Waititi won best screenplay for Jojo Rabbit, beating Little Women, of course. That was for adapted screenplay, but wrote a fucking fun movie. Taika, good for you. Toy Story 4 won animated film. Of course it did. Yeah. Ford vs. Ferrari, which is awesome, won sound editing, which is awesome. And I think it won film editing, but I forgot to look that up. Joker won best score and Hildur Goose. Oh my God, it auto me, so I'm going butcher... to I, I can't do this. It, the, the, it changed her Keep name. It a That's shot. not her name. <laughs> No, don't, don't do it. He'll don't work.
2: do it. We'll get it. We'll get one. Best
0: score, which I think is really cool.
2: <laughs> Elton
0: John and Bertie Taupin won best original song for something from Rocketman. That none of you know the name of that fucking song. None of you at home listening know that song that won best. Yeah. Sound Mixing went to 1917, as did Cinematography. Back to Roger Deacons. He wins two Oscars in three years after going through all of the fucking Coen Brothers canon, after going through all yep. of these decades of films. He gets two in three years. And then other notable movies, I'm gonna shout out Bombshell, Little Women, The Irishman, and The Lighthouse. Any movies you want to shout out from this year?
1: No, I think we nailed it dude. Yeah. All yeah. right. Let's and we go. were, and we're already year. on the wrap up for Yeah for people. <laughs> maybe,
0: watching I'll at include, home. maybe I'll include
1: maybe I'll include Ad Astra and then we can we can
0: move Ed on. Astra's cool. Brad Pitt, shout out. Yeah, he probably had more screen time in fucking. Uncle Gems. Uncle Gems is cool. Shout out um, <clears> Adam Saylor. Brad Pitt probably had more screen time in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood than he did in Ad Astra, and he was the lead of Ad Astra. Anyway, let's go. We're talking about. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about this movie. This is so funny. We're talking about Lion King, which also won Best Animated Film. No, it didn't. I, it, it was nominated for Best Animated Film, I think. <laughs> who the fuck cares? Let's talk about that, Lion King. That's fucking kidding. Guys, I'm, <laughs> I'm
1: going to assume, I'm going to guess, was this the first time all of us have seen it? No, I saw it in theaters. I saw it in theaters. Oh, so you're one of the schmucks that gave him all yeah. that fucking money. You no, can't.
0: this is not considered an animated movie. This is not considered, <laughs> yeah. I have fucking A-list. Um, it was nominated for Best Visual Effects.
1: Oh, that's uh, funny. This is my first time seeing it. Dave? Um, first first Unbelievable time? visual effects. John Favreau. Of course. Oh yeah. my God, the like, time really, lapse really at the crazy. beginning.
0: The time lapse at the beginning was great. Yeah, I... Um, I... You can see the ants in circle of life. Oh, it's not so, just the yeah, ants, they show the little critters too.
1: This is weird.
0: I'm sorry to like give a preface. I, I
1: know I do that too much, but like I kind of have to say this just because for so long I had not I kind of just chose I'm not gonna see these Disney remakes. So I think I did see Aladdin at some point, unfortunately, and that's the only one that I've actually seen. So this was the second of the live action. No, I know, I know. I've seen Aladdin, but I don't think I've seen an entire of the other ones until today when I watched this Lion King. So I've kind of just been pushing it at the same these time, off. By
0: the way, I, I don't know why Disney let us get away with that, but that was fine. Okay, go ahead.
1: No, it's great. Uh, so I kind of just been pushing them off. So I guess I just want to say that as somebody who grew up with them, I, 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 I of course, I can't quite speak to them objectively because there's always going to be a little bit of comparison. And I don't even feel bad about that because they're doing it too, right? Like they're making these movies based on the original versions. Some of them are nearly shot by shot and some of them are a little bit looser, but they're still the story.
0: They want us to right? take our kids. Little they know, we don't have kids. So there you go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's still the story, there's still the song. Um, so if I'm being honest with you, more than anything else, I'm all, I, I was mostly impressed with the visuals
3: because yeah, I know the story sense. already
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah you know what I mean like there was just I don't know if there was anything new that was better than the animated one there were some things about it that were also really really fucking incredible but I don't know if anything transcended the other one other than the visuals were just remarkably accurate uh, so my only criticism that I think I'll, I'll just I'll just tap onto it because it's still Lion King. I was still really moved. It's a great story. It's based on Hamlet. It's fucking touching. It's you know it's 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 really really epic. It's a it's a real big giant quest tale of an entire young person's life, young person, young animal's life, finding their way back to their purpose through reclaiming their right as a leader of their people. I mean, it's a fucking you know it's an incredible tale. Um, all I will say though, it's to be constructive is that an animated feature in 1994 from that generation of Disney was designed to be family friendly and completely airtight. It's a much shorter, it has a shorter runtime because of that. There isn't as much um, extraneous dialogue, extraneous storytelling for justification of certain things that this movie very clearly and intentionally chose, no, 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 let's try to go into it. For example, I appreciated. That they tried and and I think succeeded in justifying Nala as an adult sneaking away from the pride to try to go, quote, find help. I don't think she was going to find Simba, but she just wanted to get out of there. Um, One of the, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I laughed at this shit, but the justification of after the, I think they're big balls of gas, you know, that conversation with Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa. Simba walks away after talking about the circle of life, and they laugh at him, and then a a piece of his hair goes into the water and drifts into the wind, and goes into a tree because a bird carries it there and a giraffe eats it and it gets stuck in the giraffe's shit and then a bug pushes this ball of shit and down the hill and it breaks up and out of the shit the Rafiki grabs it and finds it (laughs) you're like okay this is circle of life there were times like that where i thought they went too far and i just didn't think it was necessary Mm. um so this is the big picture thing i'll say there are two and you're very 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 successful with the visuals Intent to create more realism, you lost some expressive opportunities.
3: The animals the can't animals, smile; they can't
1: be expressive. The animals can't smile; they can't express; they can't be so. Their artifice and the expression of what you can get away with two D animation is definitely sacrificed in the name of very, very, very fucking realistic looking animals and scenery. It was beautiful and captivating. Um, So that might be one criticism. And the only other one would be, and this is probably just because I am attached to the original one. So you guys, maybe I'm wrong. But talking about Dory and how fantastic those voice performances were, I was underwhelmed by the voice performances in this movie. Oh my God, for sure,
0: for sure. But there's one that was, did any stand out for you? Give me one.
1: John Oliver stands out for me. I thought he did a pretty decent job as Rafiki. Um, But are you talking about stand out as good or stand out as exceptionally not good.
0: good? Good, good, good. Um, I like Billy Eichner as Timon. He really yeah, is. I think he got, I think he got
1: close, but because he's with the pair, and I'm, a, I like Seth Rogen a lot. They just, that is, you're talking about iconic, absolutely perfect.
0: Uh, they Ernie, 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 Saban. yeah. I mean, come on, done they're a, just, they're too done good. every
1: week at karaoke. Like, yeah. So I don't know. I guess those are my two things. The under, I was a little underwhelmed with the voice performances, and in the intention of. Uh, realism, they sacrificed some artifice of expression that I think really lended itself to this story. Um, but it's still really moving. I, I teared up at the right places. I was really emotionally affected. But Scar got fucked
0: up by those hyenas. That, re- that was like, holy shit, that looked
1: really real. Yeah, I, I wonder how many were fucking after
2: terrified after they saw this.
1: <laughs> I'll shut the fuck up after this. This is the only criticism that I, I do feel comfortable saying. Chitoel Ejofort is an incredible actor. Oh, yeah. He was miscast. That was just not a scary enough voice. You can't bring fucking James Earl Jones, the fucking man, back to do do fucking Mufasa and then cast somebody new who doesn't have as intense of a beautifully expressive, dramatic voice like irons had in the animated feature hmm. or somebody else from a contemporary world could have had to match it i was super underwhelmed with that casting and that performance all the way into his song i thought his song was really underwhelming um so as brilliant as chituel is fucking genius wonderful actor we've seen improve his his chops time and time again i just didn't think he was the right the cast music,
0: the music didn't help him every time he came on the music got so dramatic and it was like we know we know we know sorry dave you were about to spike
2: um, no, no, I was just uh, I was just saying, like, I, I didn't see this in the movies. I saw it um, when it dropped uh, on Disney Plus uh, one day when I was like, oh, let's give this a look and sat back and had a good time and it was, it was fun. And I found my brain doing a really funny thing where every time a scene from the movie was played out in CG, my brain would see it as the animated version. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So I was the whole way through I'm referencing another film while I'm watching this one. And I I, that's a a bad side effect of I guess just remaking your fucking films in like a different format. Um especially when something is as popular as this. Because like I have just seen this movie on repeat so many times I couldn't even put a number to it. Um and yeah given a choice I would always take the animated over this um it's it, in look. saying that though like if, if i was given a choice between the two i'm going to hit play on the animated one this looks beautiful like they yeah, they've worked it's, their it's ass great. off the detail in it is amazing um i i was a big the fan of light. most of the voil
1: yeah dave the eyelight in the irises and pupils of these creatures is yeah. fucking beautiful how do they do that it was fucking so realistic
2: yeah it's uh, there's an actual light placed in the in the 3d scene <laughs> And it, it's set to usually they'll put it there and set it to reflect only off the eyeball like the only the eyeball references perfect. it in the, in the rays when they render uh, or it was one of the actual lights so you can go both ways <clears throat> but uh, yeah they do they do that now in modern animation and that's a great little technique um but yeah I just uh I don't know it was it was good I like that they updated the um not in front of the kids gag for a a new generation so it gave the people like yeah Yeah, the people who were bringing the kids to see it it gave them something new they're like oh that's fresh like it it woke up a little bit but yeah i don't know it was just it was the same it was the same and i my my brain tuned out during the extra bits it's just like get back to the story i know
0: i think i wrote down i wrote down on my thing i was like this is not a remake it's a reenactment i said this is not a remake it's a reenactment It would be like you go to a Disney theme park and they had some actors who wink, wink at the audience and say, we all seen the movie, right? Well, we're going to reenact it, but with like fake real animals. And they're going to be wink." Because there were times in this book, because I honestly, I thought I was going to hate this fucking movie. And I saw it in theaters. And my big thing that I've said on this podcast is the animals can't even smile. So they're singing, I just want to be a mighty king. And they're just like...
1: They're fucking- that is the worst part in the whole movie. Yeah. Cake. It's just... Like, just- no. Mm. And... <laughs> that vowel specifically bothered me yeah. on their mouths. I was and like, so, that is So I went, I went into
0: this movie thinking I was going to be furious. It opened with Circle of Life and Circle of Life is beautiful. But very quickly, I realized, you know what they were doing, which was a huge mistake. It's a huge mistake. They were over-explaining it. We already know what Lion King is. And then they were sitting there and mm-hmm. they were saying, I'm trying to find, let me give you some examples. They were saying, there aren't any hyenas left on the lid part of the grounds because dad chased them all away. We know, we know this about the hyenas. And in the first movie, all they said is, sir, hyenas found in the pride Lands." Oh, thank you. And that's it. That's it. And then when we see the hyenas later, we go, oh, shit, the hyenas. We don't need them to sit there like, oh, we got rid of the hyenas. They're over explaining this to the fucking kids. We're talking to them like they're mm. fucking idiots. And it drove uh, immediately. I was like, OK, I'm right. Um, even the opening Scar scene with Mufasa, the whole first in line. I was the first in line until he was born. The music and the writing was overwritten. It was overdone. We, we know that Scar is now no longer next in line because Simba's there. We, we know, and we know that he's gonna try to become the king. We know this. And they overplayed yeah. it and it drove me fucking insane. And then as soon as that, I put that away and I was like, okay, I fell back in love because the visuals are so amazing. They're so great and the lions are mm-hmm. so great. Mufasa is a fucking specimen. I don't mind saying this, the Mufasa, every single second Mufasa was on screen, you were Beautiful, like, dude. this is the most sensational lion of all and time. And
1: Scar's face,
2: dude. Yeah. Oh my it's God. So, yeah. Oh for sure.
1: God, scary. And then like every, to the every time
2: i have done a lion in CG, it's always been like there's just something a little off. There's there's nothing off about this lion. It
1: but really is it,
0: shocking yeah. how realistic it is. They <laughs> yeah. get to they get to the hy- the first time you see the hyenas that they have Keegan Michael Key and he's telling jokes. And they're laughing at each other. And I'm like, well now the hyenas aren't scary. And then a new hyena comes in and it's like, oh, she's scary now. And they're still making jokes. And I was like, guys. Give us the tension. Let us be scared of the hyenas. Why are you letting these hyenas be try to be hilarious? Because now I'm not scared. I'm not scared of the hyenas. And then, then Simba gets rescued by Mufasa and Simba talks. Simba's like, sorry, dad, I just thought I know, but this. And it's like, I'm glad they're teaching kids the lesson that you should talk to share your feelings. But you know what's really fun? watching Mufasa be like, shut the fuck up and let me tell you, otherwise you're gonna fucking die because you should have died tonight, which is what the first movie did. And as a kid, I was sitting there going, okay, I gotta learn that lesson. And, and it was so casual. I was so mad. I was so angry about this. Bambi's dad would have never been like, what are your feelings like, Bambi? Even though we know that's the way kids should be, come on, you almost fucking died, guy. I gotta teach you a fucking lesson here. We'll talk after I get this lesson across and then we can laugh about the stars being the kings of the past. But Timbo's like, I'm sorry, dad, it's okay. Uh," No tension. They fucking destroyed the tension. It fucking made me furious. The Voice acting was bad. But the worst thing about this movie, because again, I really thought I was falling back in love with this movie because of the visuals. I thought I was falling back in love with it. It does
2: not sound like it.
0: No, I really did. Because I was like, it was beautiful. And Billy Eichner was my favorite voice actor, even more than John Oliver. I was like, yes, Billy Eichner's got it. They might as well have Billy Eichner's face on the camera staring at me saying some of these jokes like, you gotta leave them wanting more. And then he said something like, you grew 400 pounds since that song started. And it's like, Guys, are you are you trying to be in Africa, or am I in a... Th- I feel like I'm in a fucking Disney theme park watching you reenact this. I, I just feel like they didn't that, trust their audience. They talked down to their audience so much in this movie, it made me fucking furious. They talked down to their audience. You know it. You motherfuckers like this movie, and they treated those children like people who had seen this movie, and they were winking directly at the camera at you, and they didn't let you just enjoy this experience. They treated you like totally children. You're totally right, dude. Fuck, I'm You're totally mad. right. The over... <laughs> and i felt i felt
1: the same way and that that's the sequence with the uh, introduction of Timon and Pumba and the explanation of the the philosophy of Hakuna Matata.
0: it happened so they, fast
1: in the in the first one no no the first one was perfect oh, oh, the first my one's God. perfect but i feel like this one i they say Hakuna Matata, and then there's this whole new section of that scene before they start the song where they over explain exactly, what the exactly. philosophy is to try exactly. to say it's meaningless i can't remember the exact words of course but i remember just thinking, you took all of the the mystique slash attractiveness of simba maybe wanting yeah. to understand what this it's, mysterious word means it's not out of it, and it's not meaning it's it. not
2: meaningless they literally say in the song it means no worries yeah, like yeah exactly. they, but also, so from this point it's
0: meaningless and then tell you what it means it came from this point yeah. of tension where it's like this lion is at is in distress and all what they need to say is the right thing and the right thing is surprisingly don't worry about it and they do it in such a way that it's like, holy shit, how is that the right thing to say? I can't believe they pulled it off. Whereas in this one, they're like, oh my god, we're gonna say it. Okay, hold on. Let me how, how what's the right way of saying this? And they, they talk to they talk down on us. I just yeah, I it's like they,
2: it's like they ran the us. it's like they they ran the intro through the of the song through Disney Legal.
0: I mean, maybe yeah, I totally agree. And and when you have Nala and Simba finally meet, this is a two-hour and seven-minute movie. We know what the movie is, and they made it longer. It makes total sense, right? And then you finally get the reunion. And, and we don't even celebrate the... Oh, my God, where have you been? You've been here? What? No, it's a two-second scene. Oh, man, I was bummed. It was two I factors. feel like
1: that one was longer than normal, too. I actually thought that was too long. And then it also really didn't work for me. Donald Glover is a, a freak of nature talent. Of course, he's a he's a monstrously successful, childish Gambindo musical talent. But it didn't work for me when they started singing and Beyonce was, you know, like fucking virtuous <laughs> singing. Can you feel the love tonight? And he's like singing with her. And I felt like we were just there to hear Beyonce sing. It's just, so many aspects Let's of this Beyonce movie. <laughs> so many aspects of this movie <laughs> did uh, prevented me from doing what I think what Disney did so successfully in that second generation of their their golden age. Uh, 2D animation by, by casting these enormously successful A-list talent, and, and not only them, but but some of them into their cartoons. They allowed room for those A-list talents and personalities that we knew so well to dissolve into characters. And Pixar is, of course, really, really good at this. I never did that with this version. I, 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 I don't know if it's because of things like you're talking about where like Billy Eisner was basically, Eichner, how do you say his name, yeah, I'm Eichner, sorry. Yeah. Eichner, um, sounded like that. I never felt that way about Beyonce. Um, I don't know, there were just too many, there are too many reasons that I felt like were distracting about this. And and I, I guess the last thing I'll say is that kind of what you brought up and kind of what I was saying earlier on, and Dave, I think, was, was agreeing with me. In some aspects, it just felt, it started to feel superfluous. And in another aspect, because of the over-explaining and the over-dramatizing, it started to feel like melodrama. And the animated feature never felt melodramatic, even though it's it crazy, high hamlet it drama. It a
0: fine line, but it, it never crossed mm. the line. It right. crossed the line. So un- unfortunately,
1: that's true. But I
0: would have taken my kids to see this happily. The, the, if the I guess, had children, love I would
1: have bought them all the refreshments like and just, enjoyed they, myself look, and smiled. Look,
0: all, all this stuff was funny. I feel so, like it was cheap thrills written for Disney+. Plus. It was written for kids mm. to like laugh, 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 and then go pee and come back and laugh, that's laugh, right. laugh. It's right in
2: that... Because like, I think as well. I
0: loved when they they did the Beauty and the Beast. They did the fake out where they did. Oh, I didn't like Yo, that. Your dinner, oh, but, did but, at you least, like that? but at least they... <laughs> here's why I liked it. They built up the tension where you're sitting there going, okay, obviously Pumbaa's the bait, and I like the way that they were all staring at it. Why are you staring at me? That's fine. I, that was fine. And then they were like, "Your dinner is served," and of course everybody knows this Beauty and the Beast B, Be, ah, and then Pumbaa's like, "Nope," and then they run away. I feel like it was a fun little fake out that I'm okay with. That was winking at the not, audience without staring directly at the me, camera.
1: For me, that was them acknowledging Sorry, Dave, we're not done we with don't this, have Dave. any new ideas, do we? Mm. That was them just basically saying we have become self referential. Well, we know me, exactly me, what these was, are. We're just selling tickets. To, to,
0: well, to me, that was we're not going to do a shot by shot remake, but at least we can have some fun with this moment. We can at least shake it up a little bit.
1: I guess I uh, I so. I still say, and I've said this forever. If they had just re-released their animated features, all of us would have gone back to see them. But if they just did. wanted us to bring they our did. kids and they did go see them by themselves. They did those
0: with the 3D re- re-releases. They did that with Beauty and the Beast and Lion King. And then they remade them. And then they became the highest grossing movies of all fucking time. So we're, so we're the idiots weird, here.
3: Because
0: parents don't right, to so do with their kids. They'll throw $100 just to give their kids something to do tonight. will. Right, well, right. I'm going to vote first. Yeah, Even though so we
1: were talking some, some right. we had criticisms about it. I'm going for Incredibles too. Dave? I just had more fun watching it than this, and we already have Lion King, the first one, in, right? Mm. Didn't yeah. it make it in? Yeah. So sorry, but no fucking chance. I'm getting this one in there as well.
2: Dave. Yeah, fuck it. Both these suck. I'm voting for Ghostbusters. Mm. <laughs> no,
0: Dave. I tried to bring Ghostbusters back a different week, and you said no. This is our bracket. <laughs> there are there are other weeks that you could talk me into Ghostbusters. I,
2: uh, I will. Uh... <laughs> I, I will say Incredibles 2 as well. Incredibles nice. 2. Three
0: for three. Boom. Done. They're crying themselves to sleep with their $1.6 billion they made for this fucking movie. $1. Yeah. $1. $1.6 billion. 1,600 people could have made a million dollars and not made as much movie money as this fucking movie made.
1: It's just so frustrating that they are the most <laughs> the largest most successful entertainment company in John. history and they're remaking old like come on dude. John think
0: about making one 1 million dollar movie Dave think about making one 1 million dollar movie you could have made 1600 1 million dollar movies with the money that this fucking movie That's made It's a lot of porn
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dave that timing was perfect With that my friends <laughs> we've got the end of our bracket Incredibles 2 and fi- uh, Wonder Woman <laughs> <laughs> the alcohol is real people moving on into real. into our final I want to explain the bracket to people, but I also just, I also don't. Dave, <laughs> we, we have some, we have some buys coming up next week anyway, but we, we basically have like 22 movies left yeah. that have made it to the next round. We're going to start fucking rapid firing them head to head. Let's go. Anything you want to add Dave about that?
2: Um, no, I'll, I'll bring up the bracket in a second. So you guys, uh, talk about what you've been watching at the end. We'll, uh, rattle off what our bracket has sorted itself out as. All right,
0: I hope people listen to the end. John, what do you even want? Oh, Dave, we usually start with you. What, what are you even watching?
2: Uh, I, i haven't really watched much new this week because i've been a bit flat out with work but one thing i did catch was star trek strange new world's musical episode Ooh, they went there first time ever in the history of star trek there's a scientific basis for it (laughs) fuck it's funny it's it's worth it just for some of the funny references to see people like spock breaking into song um But yeah, it's, there is one highlight moment that I fucking fell out of my chair laughing. So it's 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 the internet has blown up and people are fighting about this episode like crazy. I feel like it's going to get Paramount Plus more membership just so people can watch the episode so they can bag the shit out of it. Guys, so. I've been paying for Paramount nice.
0: Plus for like three months by accident. Shit. John?
1: I, watch, uh, I finished the Quentin Tarantino class so I watched once upon a time in Hollywood and I, because um, it wasn't included in the curriculum because of the time limitations, I watched Kill Bill 2, so I just watched all of his basically over the last several weeks. That was great. I I am re-watching, I came out of our episode um, last week or two weeks ago, whenever we last recorded, and uh, Elizabeth was watching The Descendants, Alexander Payne, oh. George Clooney movie. So I finished it with her, maybe the last half of the movie, and I just enjoyed being in Hawaii and watching drama so much so i just restarted season one of season, uh, white lotus uh really good I'm enjoying that and then the other night uh, i went to go see at the uh universal city walk imax this is the screen that nolan tested oppenheimer in uh so it was a 70 millimeter screening the full you know 19 imax and this is my second time seeing oppenheimer and i just god you guys i loved it so much
2: so much like
1: the first time i think i really liked it the second time i loved it i think it's that's it's one of it's so good i feel
2: like that's one of the ones where there is stuff in there for a rewatch he's expecting people to see it more than once
1: and more than anything else it might not be that you're gonna like catch new information but the overwhelming presentation of the montage storytelling the first time i saw it i was i was a little in my head about it i still really enjoyed it the second time Mm. because i knew it I was able to just live in it more. There was much more emotional depth and character development available to me in the second viewing. Also, and it just, it just landed it, so it just hard a with that final fun.
2: conversation. Isn't it just a little bit fun watching an entire movie theater shit their pants when the Trinity fires? Absolutely. <laughs> I was ready. I mean, you know, this is a gigantic... In Trinity what? Because I'm seeing it on Monday. Fires. This when is they do a the gigantic... Test. Yeah, you'll know
1: what we're talking about. You won't, you won't even know what we mean. But like, yeah. it's... Um, really good I just can't say it enough I was just so overwhelmed it's it's so good I'm so glad people are seeing this movie go watch it if you haven't seen it if you have seen it consider seeing it again mm. I was really overwhelmed by the second viewing Jeff
0: um, I haven't seen a lot of new stuff I traveled to go see a piece of theater go see your theater people theater it's talk. really fun Is It Cake season two has come out and it's the dumbest <laughs> it's my favorite reality show because it's like I don't want to just support people like reality that's clearly like scripted and yeah. I know this is, but I mean, come on. Whether or not something's cake is like the best dumb premise. I, for can, a show. I, I cannot. It I cannot too. wait for the
2: the is it cake sweet <laughs> so <funny>. game crossover.
0: <laughs> what? <sighs> or you get killed Jesus if you don't Christ. know if it's cake. Game <laughs> fucking ass. Um, is it cake? I don't know. Stab it. <laughs> so is it cake season two? So anyway, now that I don't have to watch four movies a week, I can't wait to finish the Bear season two, which came out a month ago, and all this other shit that I want to watch. I can't wait. Um,
1: Oh, I started Guys. watching Atlanta,
0: by the way, for the first time. Oh, really you've never good. seen Atlanta? I had never
1: seen it. Yeah. I mean,
0: I know it's supposed to be good. We, we were just talking about South Glover, and he the seasons got all fucked up because of Star Wars. So there you go. Mm-hmm. The the oh, wow. the head of the head of FX, in public, said, "Yeah, I don't know when season three of Atlanta is coming out, but I'm not going to tell him to not do Star Wars." <laughs> and
2: <laughs> right that was quote. a good
0: call because he was okay. the highlight. FX That's, is a we great have movie. a bracket. Okay, Dave, finishes up
2: with a bracket. This this bracket is uh, some of this is brutal. Um, so next week, we will be discussing what goes through in uh, Revenge of the Sith versus Top Gun. Okay.
3: <laughs>
2: Jurassic Park versus Mission Impossible Two. Back to the Future uh, versus Incredibles Two. Okay. The Avengers versus Independence Day. Okay. Finding Nemo versus the Dark Knight. <laughs> 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 that's a battle I'll tune in for. Uh, and Terminator 2 versus Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Okay, that's going to be that's, fun. We're going to rattle all through those. We've already talked about them, so we're probably going to do it at high speed. Yeah, it might be a quick one. Um, yeah. yeah. And maybe we'll right. you guys, who did it
1: first round down. This has yeah. been fun. First round down. It's been we're very fun. Thanks for editing summer. as
0: always. thanks for editing as always dave and um we'll catch you next week film fan thank you so much for listening See see you soon